lost. <laughs> well, we <got> <laughs> yeah. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Brought to you by J. Michael Fashion for Everyone. Good morning. Happy Monday, Sandy. Hey, Blake and Aaron. Happy Monday. How are you guys doing? All right. What do you got for us this morning? Fantastic. So it was uh, somewhat of a quiet weekend. On Friday, however, the RCIPS made um, their presence known. Let's put it that way. So they were all over West Bay Road and parts of Georgetown. They said uh, it was an operation that they were carrying out. I don't know what they called it. I think it was something like Operation Get to See Us. (laughs) Because uh, they did a very, very good job. Everybody was like, oh my gosh, there's police presence everywhere. What's going on? It wasn't really so much that anything specifically was going on. They just wanted to make their presence known and to remind people that they're out there, you know, doing checks and security checks. How about Operation Just Do Your Job? (laughs) Why does everything have to be an operation when it's your job? Yeah. Yeah. Every night. Yeah, not even every day, every day, too. Right now, out on the roads. Yeah, it's kind of what I thought too. But hey, (laughs) it's a PR because it makes you wonder what they're. It's it's like when you you have too much output in your job at work, because then when you do that, you want the the boss is like, well, what are you doing the other times? You don't do that much work. (laughs) So it's like, what what are they doing when they're not doing all that? You know, Mm -hmm. all that work, all the paperwork for that one operation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, so our thoughts and prayers at work. (laughs) <laughs> Our thoughts and prayers are going out to um, the people of Morocco today. Yeah. Um, there was a major um, earthquake over the weekend. And, um, you know, CMR actually has a connection to Morocco, believe it or not. Mm. And so we're going to be talking to our web guy this morning because he lives in Morocco and he was impacted by this, obviously. Mm. So um, just an unbelievable situation. But, uh, you know, we're thinking about them and hopefully the... Uh, International forces can give them the assistance that they're going to need uh, during yeah. this difficult time. So, so a 6.8 cool. uh, earthquake hit Morocco on um, Saturday morning, and um, it's unfortunately had some devastating consequences. It was at sorry 11 p.m. their time, local time, um, and uh, yeah, just shocking really. Yeah. All right, so we'll definitely get some more details on that. Um, the governor continues to make her rounds around the place. In case you guys have not noticed, she has been busy trying to um, visit everyone. So she recently visited the uh, fire service and she was saying that uh, she was so pleased to see the wonderful work that they're doing, uh, you know, saving lives. And um, she got a tour of the facility, tour of the equipment and she actually did a really cute social media post with her sitting in one of the fire trucks. <laughs> so that was uh, basically, she said, big thanks, a huge tank, thanks to the um, fire chief, Randy Rankin, and his colleagues for being ready to respond to fires and other emergencies and applauding their bravery. So um, really interesting to see her sitting in the fire truck, put a smile on your face. Um, yeah, over the weekend, we also, um, I think it was actually on 
Friday or Saturday? It was the one year anniversary of the um, passage of uh, former um, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Mm -hmm. Friday. Yep, there are people who are acknowledging um, that as well over the weekend. And today is September the 11th, by the way, Mm -hmm. a day that's memorialized in a lot of our minds. Um, So, yeah, we'll be talking a little bit about that this morning. Big congratulations to all of the young and upcoming chefs, the Young Chef, Young, sorry, Young Chefs, Young Waiter event was held recently at the Ritz-Carlton, and these young folks performed extremely well. Came out uh, swinging with some amazing cuisine, and, um, you know, they're just so incredibly talented. So we continue to encourage them to stick with the hospitality uh, industry and uh, see if they can make a go of it. Some of them are interested in becoming chefs and waiters, and so they took part in this. And uh, big um, congrats to Sebastian uh, Maya and Rosie McKittrick, uh, who will be going to the world finals in Monaco in November. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Those are your news headlines this beautiful Monday morning. Thank you, Sandy. And you can catch Sandy's show coming up right now on Bobo 89.1 FM. We'll see you tomorrow for Tuesday headlines. Have a good one. Bye. All right, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. We're going to be kicking off here in just about two minutes and 45 seconds. In the meantime, sit back and relax. We're going to grab our links, send to everyone who is uh, going to be joining us on air at 735. Isn't that lovely?
bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, bolder. The cold hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea and committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, older, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record straight. I've come to shine the light on you Let me introduce myself I am the cold hard truth Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman Live, direct It's the cold hard truth Now, now Join the conversation on 345-936 2626. That number again is time hitting it when I'm supposed to hit it (laughs) and it's still it's still a bit off so we will work on that and I noticed it I think it was last week and I thought hmm maybe that's just me and I was going to double check it but I verified it this morning that it's definitely off by probably at least 30 seconds um so we'll try to get that sorted out that's why you guys were not hearing us on radio immediately but not to worry we are here good folks um hope that you guys had a fabulous weekend we're going to go through it all and Um, get everything sorted out here today. So um, my gosh, we have so many things to cover this morning. We're going to see if we can, um, I I guess, start at the beginning. So I trust that you guys had a safe and enjoyable weekend. I um, had a good time this weekend, actually got to do a few fun things. Um, And then of course, we also got some bad news, which I'm going to share with you. here in a bit. Um, So we'll get that all sorted out. Hopefully we'll be having a guest jumping in on the studio as well. So what did I do this weekend? I took Zeus to the beach for the first time. So he had a good time um, and he could swim, boy. He's a natural swimmer. Those little doggy paws, doggy swimming. I don't know. Do all dogs know how to swim automatically? I don't know if if a dog ever needs to learn how to swim, but um, he's seven months now. And so this is his first time going to the beach. The only problem is, you know, because he hasn't been in water before, he doesn't know not to drink the salt water. And you know what happens when you drink salt water, honey chill. That will definitely do a number on your stomach. So um, that happened. (laughs) Ah, Yes, my dear. So he, um, yep, he had his little morning um sorry his first little swim yesterday afternoon in the ocean 
And um, it was fun, though. You know, he had a good time. Gigi, like, loved seeing him swim. She just thought that it was so incredibly funny. And, yeah, what can I say? Except that uh, it was it was pretty interesting to see him have a good time. And, you know, they're so they're actually so tiny that they get really cold pretty quickly. Although it was a hot day yesterday. <laughs> Once they're in the water, I find that little dogs do tend to um, get pretty cold. And so, of course, he was no exception to that um, feeling. Uh, <sighs> feeling cold for his little, his first little swim. So made sure I had his little towel for him. And then we were able to um, let him just sit down and enjoy the beach a little bit. He's still barking a lot. So we need to work on that when he sees other dogs. There were some Labrador retrievers having a good time at the beach as well. So he was all up in their business when they were not paying him any mind. So I was like, Zeus, you need to calm down. I think that training collar is, is waterproof. Um, except we forgot it at home. So <laughs> next time we might have to put that on him so he can behave. But, you know, it's good to to get your dogs out and about, folks, and allow them to run about. And even small dogs, they love it. Enjoy a little bit of the, the, nice, um, the nice things that the Cayman Islands have to offer, including, uh, you know, our ocean. Dog, dogs love to swim. I don't know if you've uh, if you take your dog swimming, but they love the beach, they love swimming. That's been in my experience. Every single dog that I've had, um, you know, what is so funny is when I lived in the States, we never really took our dogs to the beach because the beach is like, uh, I don't know if I'd even want my dogs in it kind of thing. But before we moved here, we thought, right, we're coming to the Cayman Islands. Of course, the dogs will want to go to the beach and get in the water. So we took them in the water a lot there um, so they could just practice. And, you know, and let me tell you something. One of them in particular, um, Oscar, I swear that he could have been a dive dog because he would put, he knew how to breathe underwater. He'd actually put his head underwater and take out rocks and pebbles. And he loved, um, you know, almost like a little scavenger hunt for him. He loved picking up rocks and then trying to bury them in the sand. You know, it's just a fun time really for the entire family to enjoy our beautiful beaches. And we haven't been in a while. So we thought, yes. It's time to get out there and uh, took took Zeus with us. So he had a fantastic time. And then yesterday morning, I played a little bit of pickleball. Oh, my gosh. My shoulder this morning, my right shoulder is really, really sore. The knee's not too bad because last time it was the knee, honey chow, and I had to ice it. The knee's actually feeling pretty good, but I'm really feeling some tightness and pain in the shoulder. So I think I might have to arrange a massage um, in that area and probably just ice it and do like maybe my cupping or whatever to kind of try to loosen it up. Like I can feel that it's super tight, but what a wonderful time I had. Um, thanks to Jason, a big shout out to Jason who sent the invite and said, Hey, come on out to the new pickleball courts, by the way. Um, you know, it's just, uh, amazing, um, to see, it's amazing to see this facility, being utilized by so many people. So I'd like to congratulate the um, developers on this project because it's a great way. It was much needed, first of all. And it's a great way for people to um, get out there and enjoy each other's company and do some nice physical activity together. And um, it was a lot of fun. I was like running up and down that court like a little old lady. 
Um, but you know, still getting some good exercise and sweating, like, I don't know what. So I must tell you that although I've got little aches and pains here and there, I actually feel pretty good. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, do, do what makes you happy in terms of physical exercise. Just do something I think is the bottom line. So get out there and uh, go for your walks. You know, um, if you're a runner, a jogger, yoga, there's so many wonderful activities available on this island. And pickleball has now been added to the um, to the list. And I don't know how many courts there are in total, but there's quite a few. Um, there's quite a few courts. And quite frankly, it's so amazing because um, it was great to see people, older people, younger people, you know, people from all walks of life really out there enjoying themselves and enjoying a good time on the court. And it looks like on Sundays, based on what I was being told, it's like an open thing where you can go and just play with whoever's there and whoever's free and whoever wants to play, which is fantastic. I think that's good because if you play with the same people all the time, you kind of get used to like their strengths and weaknesses and their style. So it's good to mix it up with different people who can teach you different things. And I think you become a much better player when you have that diversity um, in your play. So um, it was fun. And I just still have the El Chipo rackets. So over the weekend, it occurred to me that I need a decent racket because I borrowed um, a friend's racket while I was there. And I played just like two seconds with it and I could feel the difference already. Like equipment really matters in a lot of sports more than people realize. And so when you play racket sports, you know, whether it's tennis, uh, pickleball or whatever, the quality of the racket, the material, the thickness, the grip, like all sorts of different things can really make your game that much better. And because I have played tennis and squash in the past, and those are much more like power centric, you know, games in terms of the power, pickleball, not so much so. I don't need quite as much power because it's a much um, shorter and smaller um, actual playing area. I found that I'm oftentimes overshooting <laughs> the boundaries of the pickleball court. So when I played with her racket for a little bit, I had less power just because of the design of the racket. It wasn't, um, my hits were not quite as powerful, like it was actually slowing me down. So um, yeah, so I think that that was fantastic. So I need to order myself sort of a higher level racket, if you will, um, so I can you know, play better, but yeah, I'm all, I'm all for it. So, um, we're going to talk about that here, Alejandro, in just a bit. So, yep. So had a great time. We went to a birthday party on Saturday, big shout out to Island Taste. They have some amazing donuts. Apparently mm -mm 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 -mm. I had one on Saturday and I was like, Ooh, sah. this donut was delicioso. Oh my gosh. I had to stop eating it. Like how, like the icing was just like, Oh my God. So um, did that and did some fam some other family activities over the weekend. So it was good fun. Poor little Jan, I think she overdid it on the um, the jumping. What do you call it? The jumping castle. What do they call this? Bouncing castle. And so she's got a little uh, muscle pain from yesterday as well. So she has to kind of take it easy this week and ice it and just kind of relax. You know, kids are, are, they're tiny and, but, you know, they can get sore muscles and injure themselves and stuff. So you got to be very, very careful with that sort of thing as well. So good morning to everyone. We've got Miss uh, Vernita in the house. Miss Morna is here. Morning to Irvlin. 
Everton, Olivia, Leroy joining us. He says he's still in Miami. Fantastic. I saw you uh, posting some pictures from Aventura Mall. Mm -hmm. I haven't been to Aventura in a minute, like years, actually. Um, I don't know. I've been kind of bypassing them going elsewhere the last couple of trips that I've been to Miami. So, um, you know, the vibe at Aventura is more of a high-end vibe, too. Like, they've got all the luxury brands and stores, but none of them are, like, bargain shopping. And y'all know I like myself a bargain shop. I might buy the name brand, but I want to buy it at Marshall's and get it at a discount. I'm not paying no $200 for top now at Aventura Mall. No, sir. Um, but it's nice to go there and look. And of course, they have a cheesecake factory and a few other restaurants and stuff that are fun to check out. So enjoy yourself, Leroy. I think you needed a break. So that's good. And you guys can see I got a little bit of a tan from my beach trip. Even my watch line is a little bit tan. I got a tan with the bathing suit line and stuff here. Look at that. Yeah. So I got to enjoy a little um, sun and stuff as well. A little vitamin D. Jonathan, good morning. Andy's here. Diamond Princess is in the house. Miss Alba, Buenos Dias. Alice, wishing everyone a happy Monday. Aliano says, uh, good morning, K-Man. We broke. Uh, well, no, no, no. We're going to get the full sus on that here in a bit. Damaris, good morning to you. Barbara, how are you? Uh, Rebecca says, good morning, Miss Sandy. Morning, K-Man. Greetings from the Philippines. Hey, Rebecca. So good to see you. Um, we will talk about 9-11. Yes, today is 9-11, so we're going to obviously discuss that this morning as well. Uh, Wee Wee is here. Alan, so good to see you. Um, we'll get to that conversation a little bit later on. Felicia is here. Miss Daisy in the house. Marshall, I saw you flexing. Marshall, what have you been up to lately? You've been going to the gym. I feel like you got somebody new in your life, honey, Jill. You've been um, wearing all these sexy white, all white, um, party outfits, and then I saw you in all black over the weekend. I'm like, mm. Marshall is stepping up his game. Got me wondering what is going on. Wow, good for you. Um, you know, you 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 feel good, you look good. Um, do what you got to do, honey, chill. Why not? Miss Dean says motivational Monday, y'all. Miss Sanya's in the house. Keisha, good morning. Good morning to Miss Debbie. Dean, oh, by the way, the phone lines. Oh, let me make sure that the phone lines are. Oh, gosh, the phone is down to 30%. I forgot to charge it this week. That's okay. 30% will last the show. Um, Demarius is here. Luis, Patricia, Blake in the house. First lady says good morning to all. Leroy says got my cup of vodka and OJ. It's only 7.15 in the morning. <laughs> I, got, I got my um, apple cider vinegar. How's that? Um, Mm-hmm. He's enjoying his, his vacay. Miss Bonnie is here. Christine, good morning to you. Joining us from Jamaica. Stevens in the house from the UK. Alejandro, good morning. So good morning. All of our usual suspects is here, including Miss Stephanie Brooks, Miss Gina, Miss Sonia, Juanita Ebanks, Johan, up bright and early. What time is the premiere on and updating the CMR Mafia? He says. Uh, we're going to do that a little bit later on the show because we got so much to talk about. Good morning, Mr. Henry Leslie. Siobhan is in the house. Miss Marjorie Paul from Bermuda. Um, Marshall says, I'm working on me. The big five O is around the corner and I got to get it together. Woo. I tell you what. Yasmin is also here. And of course, Gabby got it locked as well. 
So um, close to 300 people on the live stream and lots more. Hello, Miss Lucille, listening to us on the radio, no doubt. Don't forget, you can call the show 936-2626. You can also reach us on WhatsApp. So if you're overseas, you don't have to make a long distance call. Just call us on WhatsApp. Bling, 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 bling. Ring. And there we are. Look at that. First call of the morning. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Sandy. Dexter here. Hello, Dexter. How are you? I know I'm fine. Thank you. I know a lot of people don't want to remember, but today is the 19th anniversary for Hurricane Ivan. Yes, we're going to be remembering it. Don't worry. And, and you know what was so beautiful about it? Mm-hmm. That you could see every star in the sky. Mm-hmm. We have never had that um, after that. You know, it, 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 see, you see it turned off the electricity, you can see. And and another beautiful thing about it was that people were so nice. Mm-hmm. And in Hurricane, after Hurricane Ivan for a, probably about two years, and now mm. they're back to their old selves. Mm. You know, that is, that is a sad part about it. You know, why do people change? You know, why can't you be nice? It's better to be nice. And feel, you know, I don't know. It's just me, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, we're we're going to talk about some of that here in a second. But um, it, it's always it's easier to be nice during adversity. To be honest, um, it's yeah. much more difficult to humble yourself when I suppose you don't necessarily need to. But we'll talk I, about that I, here in a second, Mister Dexter. Not to worry. Okay. Thank you so much, my dear. All right. So yes, we got a lot to cover today. Um, uh, you take care, Sandy. Okay, honey. I appreciate it. So somebody's asking if we're not getting an update on Prospect Primary today. Um, not yet. Not yet. Uh, we've got Dana joining us from Michigan. Thank you so much, Dana. So listen, um, we're going to get into uh, some of what Dexter is feeling this morning in terms of the vibe. Good morning, Andrea. Yes, it is September the 11th, and it is the 19th anniversary of Hurricane um, Ivan for us and for the U.S. There... Um, how many anniversary for 9-11, um, which was a horrific day in the United States of America when we saw the um, Twin Towers fall. We saw a, a plane, like literally, attacked midair and all souls were lost on that plane. Thousands upon thousands of people have died as a result of those two events, both directly and indirectly, because there's still people, there's still firefighters, folks who are dying. In fact, Marlon's cousin in New York, her husband was um, a 9-11 responder and he just recently passed away in his, I think probably mid forties because he was pretty young at the time of, of 9-11. So, you know, it's uh, the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 for the U S and the 19th anniversary of hurricane Ivan 9-11 for us. So he was one of the workers at Ground Zero and uh, developed one of these very rare and unusual cancers. And a lot of people have. um, So the death toll continues to rise from 9-11 because they attribute all of these deaths to that single event. Because had it not been for that event and for those individuals um, there, you know, cleaning up all that debris and so on, they would not have gotten uh, these particular cancers. And so, um, you know, his name will be added to the 9-11 location. And he will also be, um, like his family now receives uh, benefits as a result of that as well. 
So it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, we went through our 9-11 19 years ago. Um, you know, that was in many respects an eye-opener, as Mr. Dexter properly said, for all of us who lived through it, showed us how a storm um, can destroy almost everything. I mean, the structural damage, I think some 95% of the buildings um, in the Cayman Islands had some degree of what would be considered significant damage. And it also demonstrated to me how incredibly fortunate and lucky we are because our recovery was nothing short of amazing and a miracle. Um, you know, we bounce back in an unbelievable way. There's still a couple of structures here and there that those people, I guess, didn't have insurance or, you know, whatever, and just haven't built their homes back. I think there's like one or two in Baden town, but for the most part, we, um, built back, uh, people started repairing their structures and stuff almost immediately. And, um, you know, a year later, you could hardly tell that there was anything afoot in terms of um, the level of devastation that we went through. The photos are there. They're memorializing this event forever. I guess we'll all remember where we were. You know, I think when tragic events happen, your brain has a way of connecting that tragedy with the actual um, date. Like, where were you when the shuttle exploded, for example? I remember I was in seventh grade. Mr. Gentile's uh, science class, um, 9-11, um, 22 years ago, I was actually at SEMA working in the insurance division when we were watching uh, this, uh, everybody's like, turn on the TV. We started watching this on TV and it was hard to comprehend. In the first moments of something like this happening, it's always very, very difficult to understand what is this? Like, you know, your brain is like trying to process it and not quite comprehending. What do you mean? Planes ran into the Twin Towers and the whole thing is like collapsing? Like we were watching it live and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. Mm. It was hard to understand this, these senseless terror attacks. And of course the entire world or entire lives have changed as a result of that event 22 years ago. The World Trade Center, um, you know, they stood as an example of, I guess, the American uh, success story. And within minutes of a terrorist attack, um, they came tumbling, tumbling down. You know, everything from security at airports to how insurance is now handled. There are a lot of things that changed that day. Um, it's the first time, I think, ever in the history of the entire world that air travel came to complete halt for everybody, not just the Americans, but all over the world. Um, it is considered the deadliest attack in American soil since the shock attack at Pearl Harbor 60 years before that. And um, as you can imagine for them, the outrage was, was immediate and immense. And of course they were trying to figure out who was behind it and who was to blame. New York is one of the busiest cities in the world in any given day. And so the magnitude of what these terrorists undertook um, took a lot of gumption. I mean, you got to admit that they had a lot of balls for attacking America, um, the way in which they did um, and the location and everything. 
going after one of the you know largest cities and then actually targeting the twin towers at that so um it, it was shocking and our 9-11 for us was undoubtedly um you know just just as shocking i think that to some extent we may have had a little bit of knowledge that it was coming because at least you know storms are coming, but none of us anticipated it to do what it did. And in fact, I remember just a day or so before the storm hit, a lot of you were um, thinking, oh no, this is going to turn at the last minute because we were so used to storms like coming very, very close to us. And then at the last minute, just skirting by and, um, you know, it was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, not a big deal. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was it was shocking, you know, to kind of experience that situation for sure. Um, big shout out to Alistair. I don't know if Alistair is listening to the program this morning, but I uh, end up staying with him and his family there in Spots Newlands, and so. We rode at the storm, so now we have that uh, that collective memory of having gone through a little bit of a difficult situation together. Um, it was, it was, it was. You know, I didn't appreciate what the storm was doing until it, we came out, and so of course I had my dogs at at home in my apartment, and immediately upon coming out, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to walk from Spots Newlands down to North Sound Estates." I don't know why I thought that I could have done that, <laughs> so especially after a storm. But when I got to the top of the main road coming out of um, Spots Newlands Road, I was shocked. I, I literally could not believe my eyes. And I turned back and I was like, oh my God, the entire island is devastated. Like I could see it immediately just from what I saw at the top of Spots Newlands Road. And I thought to myself, we're going to have so much loss of life. Like everybody's dead. You know, your brain automatically goes into this mode of the worst case scenario. And it was bad without a doubt, but thankfully we had for the most part property damage. And you know, these things, they can be replaced. They can be insured and they can be replaced, but loss of life is a totally different situation. So to know that we only had a very small fraction of attributable deaths. I think it might've been three or four deaths that they've actually attributed to the storm. Some actually happened after the storm, but they um, attributed them to it because people were like using their generator wrong and end up killing themselves post-storm, right? But I agree with Dexter that it demonstrated a um, resilience of our people. People really came together quite frankly, because they had no other choice, right? I mean, this is what I'm saying about um, adversity is, you know, in a time of adversity, human beings will come together because they have no choice but to work together. So we were sharing, we had a camaraderie with neighbors, um, sharing water, sharing food, um, you know, doing all these things that we needed to do in order to make it through. We had no choice. So when Mr. Dexter says, oh my God, what happened to us? When we get back to our busy lives, when we are, um, you know, 
working full time and running up and down with the kids and, you know, working our two, three jobs, everybody kind of forgets that um, we need other people. You know, we might not need other people in that moment. So this is what happens. Um, we go about our business and we do what we got to do. But the truth of the matter is no one lives in complete isolation without other people. So when you have nothing or when you've lost everything or when you've lost the majority of what you have, cars were flooded out. I remember down in Spots Newlands, the water came up to the back of our kitchen window. And the back of our kitchen window was like, I would stand outside and the kitchen window was above my head. So if that gives you an idea, and I'm five, five-ish, yeah? So when we talk about how high the canals came and the water came in, listen, it was no joke. Every single car that stayed in our area was a complete write-off because, you know, they were submerged underwater. All the electronics were blown and they were starting to grow mold within a couple of days. It was just unbelievable. We discovered a cistern underneath our building that we did not even know was there. We were in a very small four apartment complex and we hadn't ever thought, hmm, what's that little thing in the tile? Why is that cut out like that? Until when we needed water and we're like, huh, we wonder if that's like a water source. And sure enough, we opened it up, had to crowbar it open to discover that half of the apartment complex has a reserve, like a water reserve. Uh, a cistern underneath the apartment complex, like built in underneath the complex. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. And so, of course, it was not drinking water, but it was something that we could um, put bleach in and at least have a bath when we had no access to water. And the mosquitoes were, oh, my God. Remember after Ivan, a lot of us had roof damage and it wouldn't stop raining for like a week. And then the mosquitoes were out killing you. But, you know, we made do. I remember how... Um, we were, we put together or whatever little funds we had and went and got um, some food that we could then grill. So every night, our little complex and a few of the neighbors were sitting outside and we would be um, grilling whatever we could get for the day, chicken or whatever, for a food source. And then, you know, um, we played dominoes because there wasn't a whole lot to do and you couldn't really be on the road and there was a curfew in place. And... Um, the generators. Oh, I never used a generator in my life until then. And I tell you what, the hum of the generators at night, after a while, you kind of got used to it and you were able to kind of sleep through it. But the neighbors, everybody had a generator. And the sound of generators running throughout this island became sort of commonplace. And having to fill up that generator every day was one of the reasons why anytime I think of being critical of CUC, I think of what an amazing job they do keeping us supplied with power. It's a thankless job, as you all well know. Everybody wants to curse them here, there, and everywhere. But if you had to go to the gas station every single day and you know have a generator which can't even run your entire house and just fill that up, you appreciate the cost, like the real cost of fuel. And so we did that during Ivan. And I remember shaking my head thinking this, you know, the cost of fuel then might not have been what it is now, but it was still ridiculous. Um, and there was just so many lessons that came out of that. So I think it's worth us reflecting for a moment today on our 9-11, on 9-11 um, that occurred 22 years ago, the terrorist attacks in the United States of America. It was a horrible day for everyone. 
And I'd like for you guys to maybe share with us um, some of your own memories, if you'd like, 936-2626 is a telephone number. What was your takeaway from 9-11? How did your life change, if at all? I mean, some of you might be sitting here thinking, well, Sandy, my life didn't change. Um, you know, how did your life change? Marshall says natural disasters bring people together. Once the dust settles and they go back to life as usual, mean and nasty, so sad. Uh, and sometimes it's not even mean or nasty. It's just people get busy and get preoccupied with their own lives. So there are disasters that are happening around the world. And I think that here in the Cayman Islands, we have the benefit of um, really getting people to, um, like, we have the benefit of, of not being in that situation. So we don't even appreciate it. So over the weekend, there was a mass, massive earthquake. Now, listen, we had an earthquake. Um, was it January of 2020, right before hurricane, right before COVID hit? And um, our earthquake was a hold on. Was it a seven, six point? I think it was a six point eight. Mm, let me see. But you know, the magnitude of the Cayman earthquake was significant. People as far as Miami actually felt that earthquake. And you know what is so shocking is that we had little to no damage. So this was January of 2020, January 28th. We had a 7.7 .7 magnitude earthquake. Now, I remember where I was again when that earthquake happened. I was sitting with John um, and, um, oh gosh, I was over at um, Home Gas. So I was sitting it with John and, um, oh gosh, John and uh, Chris over at Home Gas. And when the earth shook, I literally thought to myself, I remember looking out the window and thinking, did something just happen to one of your tanks? Because, you know, those tanks are right there. I'm like, what the hell? What was that? And uh, they jumped up and looked too, obviously. And they're like, hmm, nope, our tanks look good. Uh, what is this? And then after the earth shook for a little bit longer, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's an earthquake. And so we all went outside and it was just people running outside. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but we were live within two seconds of the earthquake, um, you know, talking about, wow, what, what was that? That was massive. And a lot of people, I remember that there's a, some kind of a tutoring center or something across the street where the licensing department used to be. And so they ran out and um, the kids, I remember watching these kids and they were, a lot of them were crying. They were trying to get on their phone to their parents. The phone lines were clogged up. They couldn't reach people. And I was thinking, you know what, these kids, now would be about 15, 14, 15 years old, probably. Most of them probably have never felt an earthquake at all. And most people in Cayman have only felt a couple of tremors post-Ivan. It's not like we've been in anything massive. So this was the big one for us. And those kids also didn't go through Hurricane Ivan. And if they did, they would have been babies at the time. So they probably have no recollection of this event. So they, they were just, their response was shock and upset and crying and everything. They didn't know what to do. And um, it just reminded me of their limited experience in this world. 
and how they will probably go through so much more before it's all said and done, right? And so, of course, I was so sympathetic towards the fact that they were crying and that they were very, very upset. Um, I remember one little girl, she was like, mom, come and get me. I don't know what's going on. And her mom's obviously like, I'm stuck in traffic because the immediate traffic grid in Georgetown was like, you know, every parent was trying to get to their kids on Walker's Road and the traffic was just backed up. And it just so happens that there I was in the middle of it, right? Right at home gas, um, seeing people drive by in their cars, but it was like bumper to bumper traffic. So we've had our own tragedies around the world, folks. What I want to say is we have to also remember that ultimately we are so incredibly, uh, we are just so fortunate because every single day people are dealing with fires, wildfires, they're losing their homes. People are having earthquakes. They're having all of these disastrous situations that are destroying their lives. I didn't even know until yesterday, last night, I was kind of catching up a little bit on social media. And I was reading how um, in Greece, they've had like flooding that has been massive and destroying a lot of their flat agriculture areas. There's a lot of phenomena that's happening around the world. Um you know, they're blaming global warming, whatever the heck it is. There's a lot that's going on around the world that is just shocking. So over the weekend, I woke up to messages on, um, I think it would have been Saturday morning, that um, early Saturday morning, that there was an earthquake in Morocco. Now, a lot of us have connections and ties to people and places around the world. Believe it or not, a member of our CMR team, he does a lot of web-related things. That's his job and his responsibility. He actually is in Morocco. So he was the first one before any news sources. He was the first one Saturday morning to start messaging me to say, we just had this earthquake and this is what is going on. So um, it was actually, my apologies, Friday evening about um, 6.21 hour time that he messaged and said, we just had an earthquake. And I was like, what? Now they're, they're about, I think, six or seven hours ahead of us. And he started to send me photos of like local stores, everything just thrown all over the store. And I thought, okay, glass broken. I thought, oh, this looks bad. But of course... You don't know how bad it is until like the day after. And so I'm going to play. He's going to try to come on the show. He doesn't really speak um, English as such. So hopefully he can get a translator who's going to give us a live, live, real time live report this morning from Morocco of what's happening there. But in the meantime, we're going to actually um, get a, a proper news report and what has transpired there as well, because it's been devastating. The numbers are rising at over 2,100 already reported dead.
The rising death toll from Morocco, where many residents are struggling to find food and are now sleeping outdoors after that devastating 6.8 earthquake. At least 2,100 people killed, thousands more injured. New images tonight from Marrakesh. They show the moment the quake hit. People run for cover as the shaking begins. The surveillance camera is quickly obscured. Rescue teams are still searching through the rubble. One person pulled out alive from all the devastation. Our team traveled to the mountains near the epicenter, entire villages leveled. Today, President Biden joined leaders from around the world offering assistance. ABC's Tom Sufi Burridge leads us off tonight from Marrakesh. Tonight, terrifying videos showing the moment that deadly 6.8 magnitude earthquake rocked Morocco, killing at least 2,100 people, injuring thousands more. Oh, my God. The violent shaking sending crowds running in Marrakesh. Then suddenly, debris raining down. This man barely escaping with his life, Rebecca Tremblay visiting from Los Angeles. And it just increased phenomenally in just a matter of seconds. And then that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, oh, something's going wrong. And all the walls literally felt like Play-Doh. And the floor just felt as if it was melting underneath my knees. Daybreak and the non-stop search for survivors. This person pulled from the rubble amid celebrations, injured but alive. Our team travelling closer to the epicentre today, in the high Atlas Mountains, 45 miles south of Marrakesh. Entire villages devastated. The extent of people's loss here, hard to comprehend. Well, the scale of the tragedy here is summed up by this woman collapsed on the ground. We're told she lost eight members of her family in the quake. And the grief here is heavy in the air. At least 17 aftershocks rattling nerves here, including a magnitude 4.5 tremor. That's your house. Omar and his wife trapped inside when their home collapsed. His son, Abdelillah, digging them out. Yeah, so your economy, your homes, yeah, 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 your yeah. livelihoods, gone. Yeah, the agriculture destroyed it also. But in some villages, rescue teams are now only recovering the dead. There were four houses here. Look at it now. Many of the buildings here built from basic materials. Well, these houses here had a concrete structure. You can see some of the debris there, but also they were made from earth and they stood little chance against the powerful tremors. And back in Marrakesh, ancient buildings in this world heritage city badly damaged. And as we heard in that report, just hard to comprehend the grief. Let's get right to Tom, who's on the scene there in Marrakesh. Tom, you witnessed the devastation in some of those remote areas firsthand today. What are the biggest challenges that rescue teams are facing tonight? Lindsay, I think accessing the hardest to reach mountain communities decimated by this earthquake is the toughest challenge for rescue teams right now. The number of dead and injured in those areas is simply not clear. And as you can see here in Marrakesh, families out on the streets for yet another night. People too scared to go back in their homes. Lindsay? We can hear some kids wailing behind you, Tom. Thank you. Hi, everyone. George Stephanopoulos here. Thanks for checking out the ABC News YouTube channel.
rural areas. Oh, my apologies. Um, I had my mic off. Sorry. Um, he was saying, I was just giving you guys an update that Sofiane was saying to me, giving me a real-time update about the devastation. So by 9.30 on Saturday morning, he was saying that um, 822 people had died, 672 injured, hundreds of people trapped under the rubble. He was sending us real-time photos. He says he had a neighbor who died with her little girl. Mm -hmm. And by 5.30 in the afternoon, the death toll had risen to over 1,037 individuals. And he said that Send there were it. entire mountain areas that were literally removed from the map. Good morning, caller. Sandy, you're muted. Yeah, no, I took it off already. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much. So he said there were mountain areas that were literally removed from the map. Um, and they can't reach those people in those areas, people in the dirt crying out for help. And so, of course, they also um, had... Uh, you know, they also had themselves, um, they also had people who unfortunately were having to deal with the aftershocks. They had a number of aftershocks that continued to tumble buildings. So I'm going to show you guys some footage. Obviously, if you're extremely um, sensitive, you probably don't want to watch this footage. We're going to see if he can join us here live, but he's going to get an interpreter to join us as well. But here is a house that was still standing post the quake. At some point, the rest of it just came down. Um, it, it's it's shocking to see to see this. I mean, their homes are obviously not made of the same material. So they use what they have. A lot of it, as that video said, there might be some concrete, but there's also um, there might be some concrete in there, but a lot of it is just like you know, the mortar as opposed to the brick, I suppose, because um, the brick is, is very, very... Yeah, this is them digging out a child. Um, alive, as you can see, face down in the ground. Um, they were, turns out, they were. So, so tragic. So tragic. As much as they can. And um, obviously, at some point, you know, there will be no only recovery efforts. But they still are trying to rescue people. And uh, you know, there was a further update the rescuers raced to find people. They're still trying to get to people. Um, as you can see, you know, no stretchers or anything in there. He's trying to put um, so, um, 
I suppose any standard, a very um, challenging existence. You know, it's a different level of poverty. Um, one guy was quoted as saying that he had to choose between saving his parents or his son. And of course, nobody ever wants to make that decision. And uh, he chose his son. He chose to save his son. Um, he's a goat herder in a tiny community um, in the Atlas Mountains. And he says that he's being haunted by the decision that he had to make. He was there with his wife and two children and parents on Friday night when the earthquake hit. And they're saying that this is the country's biggest earthquake in probably close to at least 100 years, most devastating in the region. So um, this is what he was quoted as saying. It all happened so quickly. When the earthquake happened, we all ran to the door. My dad was sleeping and I shouted at my mom to come, but she stayed behind to wait for him. On the other side, he could see his wife and his daughter. Um, as he made his way into the fallen building, he found both his son and his parents trapped under debris. And he could only see his son's hand poking out through the rubble. He knew he had to act quickly and headed in the direction of his son, Adam, digging desperately through the rubble to pull him out. When he turned to his parents, who were trapped under a large slab of stone, uh, he says it was too late. Uh, this poor gentleman says that I had to choose between my parents and my son. He says with tears in his eyes, I, it, I couldn't help my parents because the wall fell over half of their bodies. It's so sad. I saw my parents dying. And he points to the stains on his light-colored jeans, saying it is the blood of his parents. And all of his clothes were in the house, and he's been unable to get change since the earthquake. So now the family is living with relatives in a makeshift tent close to their former home. And he says all of his money was also in the house, and most of his goats would have been killed. And remember, he's a goat farmer, right? So he says, it's like being born again into a new life. No parents, no house, no food, no clothes. I'm 50 years old now, and I'm having to start again. Mm. Wow. Mm -mm. So sad. Um, he says, I can't begin to think how to move forward, but remembers the lessons that his parents taught him. They always said, be patient, work hard, never give up. And then his son, Adam, again, was there with him. Um, I guess thankful that his father saved at least his life. So just a really sad situation. There'll be so many um, stories. Little Adam says that my dad saved me from death. Um, so just a sad situation, 12-year-old kid and the images of you know what they have left is just you know unbelievable really so um i hope that someone in cayman will be starting some sort of efforts to assist the people of uh, morocco see if we can't do our little part by sending some funds um to these poor people and um, we're gonna see if we can get a hold of our um team member now to see if he's able to, to take a phone call. But of course you can understand um, 
if he can't. So um, I think he was going to try to join us, but we'll, we'll give him some time because obviously things are a bit crazy there. Um, he might be trying to get the, the translator um, sorted out, but okay. If he pops in, I'll let you guys know when he's available. So um, I, like I said, I think there's, I don't know what the Moroccan population is like in the Cayman Islands, but hopefully, um, you know, we can hear more about some efforts to, um, to get them some need, much needed assistance. So no, it's actually almost 2,500 people, Alejandro. He said over a thousand has gone up to over nearly 2,500 and the death toll undoubtedly will go up even higher than that. Um, so someone said that our 9-11 was actually 9-12 when the storm actually hit. That might be, um, pretty accurate. I mean, I, I always thought it was the 11th when it hit and then it went into the 12th, but let me see. Uh, yeah, I think, I think technically it's actually September 12th. You guys are probably right. Uh, but we always refer to it as our 9-11 because of the proximity. So Kevin says it was actually the 11th and the 12th. But I think on the 12th, the eye of the storm passed within 8 to 15 miles of Grand Cayman. So I guess we see that as the closest point actually happened on Sunday, September the 12th. So pretty crazy, wind gusts of up to 217 miles per hour, wave heights 20 to 30 feet, um, submerging most of the island. Uh, I can tell you that no one alive now has probably seen anything like that. Even the 32 storm, I don't know that 32 storm was quite like that, but of course um, it might've been for that period of time for them, probably as bad, if not worse um, than Hurricane Ivan. So very, very sad situation. Uh, Denny says steel is a source of strength. So yeah, a lot of those homes don't look like they have any steel in them. They're just, I guess, brick and mortar and mud that they put together. Damien says many from Morocco are, are working on Grand Cayman. So hopefully the um, community can get together. Ms. Brenda says it's now close to 3,000. So um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Mm-mm-mm. Um, so thank you so much, uh, for those comments. So Rachel says it's now 2,497 and still more likely to be added to the grim toll. Um, Ms. Sonita extending her condolences to the family of the dead and all the people, but this is the country that allowed France to use their airspace to bomb Nigeria, Niger over their resources. God is merciful. Um, I don't listen, these geopolitical, um, issues are very, very complex. Um, you know, I don't know that this is probably the appropriate time for that. And you know what also I don't like, and this is something that Caribbean people don't oftentimes understand because we're always indirectly calling down, I think, damnation and whatever on people personally and as countries, right? And I see people doing it to Cayman all the time. Oh, you people think you're so this and that. Wait till the next Hurricane Ivan. Listen, um, tragedy happens to the just and the unjust. Death happens to the just and the unjust. 
Um, you don't have to be, I mean, it, it's so weird that people think that the people have this concept of karma, right? And you hear people talking about it all the time, oh yeah, you can get what you deserve. Well, there are consequences for your actions without a doubt. But I, I personally don't believe in karma, probably in the sense that most of you do, right? Uh, just like that comment, like, oh yeah, well, they were the same country who did this. Listen, every single country in the world has committed atrocities at some point. So nobody is can say that they've been angelic and they haven't made poor political decisions um, and they haven't, you know, done things, right? So that has nothing to do with the tragedies that befallen people, really. Um, it's a lot of it, poor decisions, poor planning, um, even, in, in, even in our own lives, like people... Your family members are going to die. People are going to get sick. You're going to get cancer. Like these things are going to happen to you. And it's not because you were a bad person. There's some people who have lived what we would consider as ideal a life as you possibly can. Grew up in church, loved the Lord, did all the right things. And they're still struck down with cancer. Recently, I heard of someone, I couldn't believe it. Nicest Caymanian you, you want to meet. And somebody told me that she had terminal cancer and she was trying to get her affairs in order. Like none of it makes any sense from that perspective. So I don't think karma was coming for her or, you know, I think we need to start, stop thinking that way and understand that it comes for all of us. Life happens. And so tragedy happens. And, you know, uh, some people might have a little bit of a better quality life than others. And it really has nothing to do with whether you're a good person or not. We've seen some of the most evil people in the world. Um, Nazis, um, you know, killing off the poor Jews and whatever. And they lived a wonderful life into their 90s. It's like at the end of their life, like, oh, yeah, that guy was part of this concentration camp, killing thousands and thousands of Jews and experimenting on them and mutilating them. And look at this amazing life that he has led. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I suppose if you believe in an afterlife, then you believe that everybody will get their just deserves at some point. But I honestly do not think that um, that is that's how it works. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't work that way. And so in in people's when people are in a tragic situation, I don't think that it's particularly helpful to say to them, oh, well, you're having wildfires in Canada right now because you guys I don't know, stole land from the natives. Well, the Americans did that. Everybody did that. You know what I'm saying? So even now, there are political decisions that are being made. I was reading an article over the weekend by Jacqueline Charles from the Miami Herald talking about all the horrible things that are happening in Haiti. And now um, there's an orphanage there of special needs children. And the orphanage is trying to get those special needs children out of Haiti because you know, they're dying at an alarming rate because they can't get them to medical help when they need it. Like literally they're being stopped by gangs in the streets when they're trying to get to the hospital and the gangs are saying, oh, we should shoot them and, and kill them and take them out of their misery. Sending them back to the orphanage and in one space of like two days, four of them died because they were not able to get the medical help that they needed. What did those innocent little children do to anybody? You know what I'm saying? Are you going to say, oh, that's their karma too? They're special needs children who were just born with these issues. So um, I want to encourage people to maybe not think of life in such a simplistic way. Because that's, in my mind, it's very simple to try to blame exterior forces um, on what happens to us. Or even try to like, oh, well, because you're a bad person, these things are going to happen to us. No, 
things happen to the, like I said, the just and the unjust, and it just is the way that it is, right? Nobody, nobody will be saved from uh, tragedy and mourning in life um, and illness and so on. So um, Gabby says, I was living in Canada at the time of 9-11 or September 12th, but heard the stories of coffins floating down the road. Thankfully, they were from the graves, not from like people that had just died. Um, Darlene says, how can we talk about uh, France bo bombing? Please stop this. Um, Romelia says, hearing this makes me know we are blessed and highly favored for the families who lost their loved ones. Well, I guess, like I said, you can say that you're blessed and highly favored at all times, even in the middle of a tragedy. Even when you have lost, like this gentleman, when you have lost your parents, at least you have your son. You just have to be thankful because, you know, life is what it is. Um, there's no degree of, um, you know, there's no degree of, uh, listen, it just happens. And we just are fortunate. Like, how do you explain that Cayman has a 7.7 .7 magnitude earthquake that was felt all the way in Miami, shook their buildings, and yet we did not have a single person lose their life. I don't even think we had anybody injured. We had a few potholes that the earth was separating. So we saw some of that, you know, our homes, which are for the most part, pretty well constructed, um, had, um, you know, some additional cracks in them, but not a single building with a 7.7 .7 magnitude earthquake. Not a single building came and collapsed. We had water coming out of the ground in a couple areas, obviously. Um, there was a tsunami warning that was issued for us. And then, you know, look, look at look at how how that worked out for us. No, no tsunami. And we've seen tsunamis around the world take out hundreds of thousands of people. Remember there was that Christmas Eve earthquake all the way in um where which Asian country was that now? Oh gosh, you guys might have to help me out here. And that tsunami came in. I couldn't believe. I think that's one of the worst recorded um, natural disasters ever in recorded history. Like so many people uh, lost their lives. So, you know, I think we need to give thanks even amidst um, our sorrow. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Morning, dear. Um. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Great. How was your weekend? Not too bad, thank you. And I hope you didn't let anyone upset you now. No, no. <laughs> okay, wonderful. All righty. Um, well, I have to see a couple of things to say. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> obviously one of them, I'm disagreeing with one of the big issues that's going on this morning. Mm -hmm. And while today is the anniversary, of the um, planes flying into the Twin Towers in New York. Mm -hmm. It is not the anniversary of Ivan for us. Mm -hmm. That anniversary is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I know that maybe some of your listeners were not born in 1988, but a good way to remember it is that Ivan hit us on the 16th anniversary of mm -hmm. Gilbert. Okay? Because mm -hmm. Gilbert came on the 12th of 1988 16 years later, if my math is right, there was Ivan. And mm -hmm. then the earthquake in January 
of 2020. Mm -hmm. While that earthquake was a 7.7 .7 magnitude, the reason we didn't get any damage from that is, but I'm not a meteorologist or anything like that, but I do try to understand these things. Mm -hmm. It's where the epicenter was and, and the depth. That's why we didn't have a tsunami and <clears throat> compared to the, the mm -hmm. earthquake, you know, that just hit Morocco. It was a 6.8, I think. And the epicenter was very shallow and up in the Atlas Mountains. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, the deeper that the earthquake is, is, um, and of course, if it's out to sea, there's less damage that will be sustained on Earth. Mm -hmm. And you also have to look at, um, I'm saying as now as Cayman, where we're situated geographically on the plate, you know. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, that's why here they get so many earthquakes because of where they are situated on that plate. Um, so for those who, you know, might be wondering why we didn't get damaged, why buildings didn't break up, shake down and so on, that's why. Mm -hmm. But if that epicenter had been Kemana Bay or Georgetown, Savannah, Cayman would have been devastated, you know, worse than we saw in Ivan. But God bless us all the time that it always happens to be some distance off from us. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that and to give people an opportunity to think about these things mm -hmm. and understand because the more you understand them is the better you can be prepared for them. Mm -hmm. You know, um, remember back in 2004, um, after Earth came and had had the earthquake. Um, remember there was an earthquake in Indonesia? I believe it was on Boxing Day for us. Mm -hmm. And remember it was followed by a tsunami. So that, and that's why they had a tsunami. Yes. Because it was shallow. Same thing happened in Port Royal, Jamaica, many moons ago. And so, you know, for those who don't mind reading, Mm -hmm. It's good to look these things up and get an understanding, a basic understanding of how weather works. And the same goes for hurricanes, you know. Just get a basic understanding. Mm -hmm. You know, the more knowledge you have, is the better prepared you can be. We could get another Category 5 hurricane. Mm -hmm. Let me say it the other way around. We could get a cate Category 4 hurricane. But depending on... I'm going to say the personality for lack of knowing all the right words, but that because there's been much more damage. Mm. So then we got an eye. So just, and, and I say that simply because, you know, the direction it could be coming from. So, you know, mm -hmm. the winds are going to be coming in a different direction. It, God forbid that it comes in from the south. It could bring the sea in, you know, that's a whole different story. So as we are mm -hmm. in the hurricane season, we're one day away from the anniversary of Ivan and Gilbert. Take the time to just read up on these things, earthquakes and hurricanes. We are in Zoom and on that plate for both. So, okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, folks. So 936-2626 is a telephone number. And yes, there are definitely a lot of factors um, that can play into the degree of damage that's caused Um and, you know, quite frankly, as well, um, our, our infrastructure 
is something that would be somewhat um, helpful as well. So I see him trying to call, do a video call in WhatsApp. Let me just um, give him this other link. Just one second. Uh, okay. All right, just give me one second here. So um, I'm just trying to see if I can bring him into the show so that you guys can see him. Um, okay, so you might actually get a live update from Morocco this morning. Let's see if we can make it happen. Look at that. CMR bringing you some news straight from this tragic situation. Such a sad, sad day. Um, sad last couple of days for them, for sure. Um, so let's see if we can get him to join the show. Mm -hmm. um, okay, let's see. Um, so someone says that they actually worked, came out and they worked in the Twin Towers. So it's a very painful memory for them. It was such a pleasure and honor to work there. One of the insurance companies was headquartered, had an office there in the North building and we lost 300 employees their floor took a direct hit and we did a memorial for them at Emsley Church. Wow. Um, unbelievable. Oh boy. All right. Let me just see here. Some other messages. And I mean, it, it you know, not to say that, um, the things that we concern ourselves about are trivial, but when you look at life and these situations of life and death, um, a lot of the things that we spend our time on is incredibly trivial, but oh, my shoulder, it's part of uh, part of who we are, right? So um, someone's got a lost phone. Uh, this person says, uh, excessive heat alert today by the weatherman. Be careful. Okay. And uh, this person says, good morning, Sandy. The reason why our tsunamis aren't so bad as the Pacific ones is that their tectonic plates are on top of each other and move versus the tectonic plates in the Caribbean rub into each other versus moving on top of each other. Okay. Um, we don't have so many mangroves that we lose the, we lose the who was in my beach. Maybe morning, Scott. Uh, Rachel says another bad disaster, hurricane like cyclone called Medicine Danielle has caused a dam to break and catastrophic damage and flooding in Libya. Oh my God. The city of Derna in Eastern Libya has been declared a disaster zone after Medicine Danielle caused catastrophic flash floods across the area overnight. Many residential buildings have been destroyed along the riverbanks. I fear we might be facing a mass casualty event. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, in, in fact, um, last year, I have another, and I'm, I'm going to talk about, we have CMR team members kind of all over the world. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. Part of the reason why that decision is made, you might be a little bit surprised, but one guy is actually in Bangladesh that we work with. And last year they had 
um, these floods as well. They had a huge monsoon or something that caused immense flooding. And so for days he was completely out of commission. So, you know, one of the things that's very, very evident from working with people elsewhere in the world, again, is how incredibly fortunate we are. We have no idea how fortunate we are day in and day out um, to be living the life that we live. So, oh, Dana, definitely not. I got to get, I got to get my arm back in, in full swing here with, um, okay, Sophie and I see you. Um, I think we're waiting on one more person. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna bring him in. Somebody else sent an earthquake in Indonesia. Um, that was today. Oh my gosh. Well, you know the Earth is constantly moving, sort of all over the world. So um, I guess earthquakes are happening every single day. But to have a massive one that costs caused this much loss of life is is quite shocking. So let's go ahead and see if we can um, bring him in. Good morning. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much. Um, we. Uh oh, we lost you for a second there. Oh gosh. Uh, we'll get him back. So again, um, this is Sofian. He is um there in Morocco. Like I said, unfortunately, he's him and his family. They've lost their home. And he's going to be giving us a live update this morning uh, and how things are going. Okay, I think we have you back now. Good morning. Yes. Good morning, friends. Um, so first of all, um, from myself and the people of the Cayman Islands, I want to extend our thoughts and prayers uh, to sorry, yourself. Sorry, I, I didn't see the other one, the, the person, other one. Oh, uh, yeah. He's coming on now. Uh-huh. Because uh, yeah. he's the, the translator. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Um, how are you? I know you're going to be translating for us. That's me. That's Sanji. Yes. Hi. My name. My name is Hisham. Hisham. So nice to see you. Um, I was just saying to uh, Sofian, if you can um, just let everyone there know that you know from the people of the Cayman Islands, our thoughts and prayers are with the people of Morocco. We do have some people here in Cayman who work uh, and live here who you know are originally from Morocco and they would have families there. So it's a very tragic situation. I'm so sorry that this has happened um, to you guys. Yeah. Yes. So can you give us an idea of, uh, of what it is that you're dealing with um, today? صراحه اللي كتقلت اللي مازال كيعانوا لحد الساعه باقي كيعانوا لحد الساعه حيت المساعدات اللي كيوصلوا كيوصلوا للدواوير القريبه الدواوير اللي حدا اللي حدا سميتو اللي حدا الناس ديال السلطه اما الدواوير اللي بعاد اللي كيحتاجوا الرجل وكيحتاجوا واحد واحد المجهود بشري بزاف 
ما كيوصلهم حتى شي حتى شي حتى شي مساعدات is uh, having uh, a trouble for uh, for uh, having the materials and uh, the helps uh, to ascend into them mm. the the helps is 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 searching the nearest uh, places from the the villages but uh, the, the 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 villages that uh, in the mountains that far away is mm. still uh, have a uh, trouble for searching uh, helps wow Yes. So yeah, I know that he messaged me and told me that a lot of those villages and have just disappeared off of the map because of this earthquake. The worst destruction has been insulated mountains, which are difficult to access. Right. Uh, and of course, those poor people would have been um, the least likely to be able to survive an earthquake, I'm sure, in any event because of the building structures and, you know, maybe their poverty levels are a little bit um, worse off than people in the city. So, um, yeah. yeah, very, very They have homes like this, like that. You see? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's the old way for a building. Uh-huh. Okay. So what part of Morocco um, are you in as well? Me, I am in, Tar in Tarudent. Right. Me and my friends also in the region of Tarudent. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Ah, Okay. Now, uh, Sofian told us that his his family home. Yes. Um, yes. Have they lost? Have they lost? Ah, كاين واحد جارنا كاين واحد جارنا بينا بين واحد المسافه قليله اللي بينا بينو سولناه قال لك 18 واحد من العائله ديالو 18 واحد من العائله ديالو كلشي هاد التوفات يعني بحال قلت السلالات عندهم كامله تمحات مع داك الجبل ما بقى حتى شي واحد عنده نفس الكنيه اللي عنده هو خوالو عمامو كلشي تمحى اها ذات ذا بيبل ديال ان ذيس ريجن have uh, have their families in the, the mountains that uh, the whole family day mm. so you have a lot of family members that live 
and the mountain. The mountain yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Right. So they're saying now the death toll is, I guess, reaching close to 3000. Do you think it's going to go? You think it's going to go a lot higher than that? What, yes. what do you feel? Yes. 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 The rescue in laboratory three, the body is from robbers, but uh, there are still difficulties. Yeah. Oh the road, God. the road, many road is closes. The uh-huh. the rock slides. Uh-huh. So it's many it's hard things. to even access the area to see how bad the damage is. Yeah. So um, to reach the, these areas, mm-hmm. we have the the armies. You know, the armies is uh, still uh, have uh, difficulties also, mm-hmm. and the authorities there. Uh, there are many, many, many people are reaching by by uh, bicycles, motors, motorcycles, cars, everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what um, the people that came around are listening to you, maybe some other people around the world, um, how can people help? So people are listening to this and they're, you know, what, what can they do to help? I didn't do it. Yeah. What, what can people do to help? Like people who are listening? Mm-hmm. What, what, what out, out, out. And how can yeah, how can you the اشنو هو الدور ديالهم اللي يقدروا يقدروا يديروه باش باش يساعدوا في هذه الكارثه هذه اها وي جاست ابيل تو يو تو سبورت اس مشات لا باقا 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 صوت باقا دابا مزيان وي جاست ابيل يو مايم تو سبورت اس باي انيثينغ Mm-hmm. To reach these people and to help to help them for uh, for for uh, just uh, like مساعدات مالية مساعدات بحال إذا كان بالإمكانية ذلهم أنهم إذا كان بالإمكانية ذلهم أنهم يصفتوا شيء مساعدة آه كونكسون شوية معلكشة عشان في في مواد معلكشة هم ولا لا آه كونكسون connection بحال المساعدات ماديه ولا كيفاش المساعدات يقدروا يكونوا ماديه يقدروا لك في المجهود ديالهم في المقدور ديالهم ان يكون مساعدات المساعده راه مزيانه حاجه مزيانه اي مساعده كيف ما كانت كيف ما كانت تقدر تعاون هذوك الناس 
Also, to me that uh, any kind of help can help these people to, to find things or something. You know? Mm -hmm. Any any kind of help would be people welcome. are uh, suffering from. Uh... Yes. I'm also going to show um, a video now. We had someone send in a video from um, a, a little village there. Um, <laughs> some footage of um, one of the towns there. Um, lots of there are still a lot of bodies under. Wow. Okay. <laughs> He's naming some of the people. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So that's uh, another example, folks, of the level of devastation. سولا على الامكانيه باش الا بنبارطاجي معاها شي 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 فيديو انا هنايا باش نوريك واحد الفيديو راه شفتو هذا الصباح لا اله الا الله هذا الفيديو شويه اي سيد ذات هو هو الشير فيديو هاو هي كانت هاو هي كان الشير هاو اف هي سندز ات اون واتساب 
I can. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sip to la po Watson. Uh huh. Um, Leroy, I have to do with the conversation at the moment. Okay, let me see. I have it here. Um. Okay, we have another video uh, that he has provided us. There's a lot of videos that. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I mean, the thing about this situation, I was playing some of the other videos earlier as well with like the building that was still standing. And I don't know if it was an aftershock that caused that one to collapse, but um, let's watch this one. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness. So much loss of life. Can you tell us a little bit um, about your culture there? How do you bury, I know in the Western world, a lot of times they keep people for like a long time. There you bury people pretty much right away. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. We we collapse the bodies and bury them in a hole. Mm. We uh, you can't uh, you can't bury the, the uh, one person. Yes. Wow. You just put everybody. We put together. everybody in a hole and uh, bury bury them. Oh my gosh. Um. And uh, you say and you can't bury anyone. Mm hmm. With, we, we, you will wait until the, the authorities comes and the people are uh, the people is, uh, is so is so stinky. So that that is what this is here. Yeah. They're yeah. digging trench uh, and putting yeah. all the bodies in there. My God, that wow. looks like yeah, so sad. Mm -mm. Unbelievable. It's a disaster, really. Really, yeah. disaster. Mm -hmm. Um, this gentleman, Damien, says, "Did you, the two of you, lose any family or friends in this? Are your family yes, members?" We'll, yes, we lose many friends here. Yes. Uh, تقريبا القسم ديالها كامل توفى يعني هذوك الكلام كامل مشاو Everybody in the class is dead. Oh my god. It's a real disaster, but what uh, this is the 
يعني واخا نبقاو نقول لها واخا نبقاو نقول لها هذا الشيء كامل هذا الشيء راه ما كيعبر على ولا جزء جزء بسيط من هذا الشيء اللي واقع يعني لدرجه انك من نهار الزلزال لحد الساعه لي زومبيلونس ما وقفوش كاين بلايص واخا ما وقفوش لي زومبيلونس وهذا الشيء كامل كاين بلايص اللي مازال ما وصلتهمش المساعدات كاين بلايص اللي باقيين كيما هما The, the ambulances and the, the workers and all the, the majority of people there is no one have a sleep or have a, a meal or anything just work work for fighting people or fighting bodies and instructed them to a lot of things that must be so difficult for them are you still experiencing any aftershocks yes, yes. I need to go. every day every day is two or three mm-hmm. Wow. And so now, where are the survivors um, going? Like, where are people who've lost their homes but still have their life? المقالع الرمال وداك الشيء فين كيكونوا دايرين لي دارات البيوت صغار تيكونوا مقادين بالقزير هكا ابيض هادو اللي شدوهم دايرين لهم الصباح في الكاميوات يا اي سايد دي ميد ا كامب ليتل كامب واو And um, some people are wondering about the relief efforts. Um, what countries have international countries started to come in? I know you guys have a close connection with um, France, I think. Yes. Yes. Well, it's uh, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh huh. The United uh, Kingdom. Uh, Israel. Canada. Tunisia. Spain. 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 Mm-hmm. Senegal. Senegal. And uh, Senegal. Yes. Mm-hmm. So some some international aid is starting to come in. Yes. Yeah. And I guess the most urgent need would be food and water and some form of shelter for the survivors. Yes, it's uh, more shelters. Uh-huh. Shelters and food, water, every kind of help, any kind. It's really a mess. Yes. And the the country, uh, the area, Marrakech, is like a historical town. Um, and a lot of people visit there for like a lot of the historical sites. What What sort of damage has been sustained in that area also? Everything is down. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. The tourist, the tourist place is damages. Mm. Yes. Wow. Uh, it's so sad. Um, do you, someone is asking about the United Nations. Have you heard from that organization specifically? 
Yes, the United, United Nations said that if the Moroccan people need help, it's, it will for the help. Okay. So the Moroccan ask for help. Yes. Okay. So he, he's walking outside now. Um, is he able to flip the camera around so we can see the area? Yes, oh yes, the little shop there has some damage and stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will show you something, but... Uh... Yes. I'm surprised at how good your, your internet connection is, I must tell you. Um, the internet is quite good. Um, I think he's gonna go and try to show us. If you go to the settings, you can flip the camera right on your screen. Oh, yes, let's see. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's showing us a little bit of the, the area there. So because of the aftershocks, um, are people afraid to stay inside now also in case? No, no. Someone is saying here that your government needs to accept help from Algeria. What is what is that? Yes, because we have because uh, we had a conflict between us uh, for uh, the Sahara. For the Sahara Desert? Yes, uh, the, uh, the Sahara. Tindu. Has Algeria offered any help? I doubt they're probably offering any, but... I don't know. Yes, they, we are uh, we are reading, we are reading in, the, in the news that uh, they they are offered the help, but uh, okay, but the conflict be, uh, between us. Mm. You know, Sahara. Yeah. Okay. That makes things complicated. Yes. Well, thank yeah, you, really thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much um, to both of you. Uh, for this opportunity to kind of, you know, speak to people firsthand uh, in Morocco. Um, we wish you, um, you know, continued safety. And um, for sure, the people of the Cayman Islands will see 
you know, how we can help also. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. قال لك شكرا على اسميتو على المحادثه اللي درنا معاهم قال لك راه غادي تشوف اشنو ممكن يقدموا لك من المساعدات اي صح المهم راه بيناتنا الاتصال الا كان شي مساعدات لكن ما كانت يا سواء كانت مساعدات بشريه حتى الا ضروا انهم وكان بالمقدور ديالهم انهم يصيفطوا مساعدات ديال يد العون بحال هكا الانسان يجي بحال كي دارت السينيغال يصيفطوا دوك الناس اللي عاونوا راه قديره مزيان راه مزيان هذاك الشيء كيف ما كانت المساعده كيف ما كانت Have, Have a, a nice day. day. All right, Hisham, thank you. Thank you so much. Sir. All right, folks. Um, so, uh, yeah, wow. Life, you just never know. Trust me. So um, Sofian works, like I said, he's part of the CMR team. He does a lot of work um, for us, you know, for years now. Um, and it's a pleasure working with this young man. He's very professional. Um, he doesn't obviously speak English, but we never have an issue communicating because I guess he uses a translator app on WhatsApp and that's primarily how we communicate by that and by email. And so um, it's just so unfortunate. <clears throat> Someone's asking, how do you communicate with him with different languages? I was just getting to explain that. Um, it's quite interesting because like the language barrier has never been an issue for us. Now, I'm assuming, that he uses translation apps to, you know, when he writes to me, the English is perfect. <laughs> so um, we've never had an issue, but, you know, um, even sometimes when he needs to do something and he needs my authorization or two factor, whatever, he'll call and then hang up because then the call lets me know that it's urgent and I need to uh, read his messages right away. Very hardworking young man. And before we get to, the budget interview with Premier Panton, I do want to talk about, um, we have a bit of an international team, right? There's actually no one physically located in Cayman other than myself, who's part of the CMR team. So we have someone in, in Bangladesh. We have um, Sofian in Morocco. We've got Kevin Caymanian, but he's in Florida. We have Renee in Florida. We have Kenyatta, who's in California. And we have other people that we work with that are like voiceover artists and they're all over the world. So what I want to say is, um, you know, we just try to find the best people for the job who can get it done with little fast, little muss. And um, also, not only they're efficient, they do it at a reasonable cost, of course. Um, but I was, I'm going <laughs> to, let me see how I can break this down. Those of you who follow Andre Stevens, who is a friend to the show. He's been on the show before. Um, he has, he's a blogger in Jamaica. He has a humongous following there. Every night he's live, he'll have like six, seven, eight thousand people easily watching his YouTube channels. He attacks a lot of different issues in Jamaica from crime and, you know, cultural issues, things that are happening there. Um, 
there's some situation brewing now with him and his producer friend, like best friend, producer, the guy's name is Wayne, something or another. And the two of them have had some sort of falling out because allegedly he has found that Wayne has taken his um, YouTube money, like whatever money he makes from YouTube and stuff like that. And it got me to thinking about part of the reason why I also work with people um, from overseas and the way that in which I do is because number one, don't mix business and friendship. Never, ever, ever. It's never a good idea. I've never seen it worked out well for anybody. Uh, even myself, you know, um, I have my husband, we don't work together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He has his own job. Um, that's a professional situation. I have to make decisions. Uh, sometimes I might ask for his advice, but he might not always understand the vision, see the vision, I guess. And I don't necessarily need him to because, you know, I'm at the helm of this business. Of course, if he gives feedback or he says something, I might take it under consideration. It just depends on what it is. Uh, but it's difficult when you work with family members and friends and whatever, because what do they say? Your own fees bite the hardest. That's the truth. And so when someone that you've trusted ends up breaching your trust, um, taking your money, I heard it's over $3 million. I'm trying to still ascertain whether or not that's $3 million US dollars, Jamaican dollars. Like, I don't know how much I need to find out for sure what currency that is. And we'll try to speak to Andre about this, but it really made me recognize what an unfortunate situation um, Andre is now in, realizing that his friend, his producer has stolen all this money from the business. Um, you know, as small business owners, whether you're a blogger or whatever your position is, you put a lot of work into this. And someone sent me a video over the weekend saying, oh my gosh, I think Andre is like losing it because he was sending this video where he was just like praying and saying, you know, oh, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Ervlin said that's in Jamaican currency, but that's still a lot of money. Um, you know, even in Jamaican currency, what is that in the US? $3 million, three point something million. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's very, very unfortunate. I understand that Andre has had mental health issues in the past and I extend my thoughts and, and prayers for him during this very, very difficult time. I think what's important to understand is that you see people do a job. You see people get in front of the cameras every single day and they are, um, you know, addressing issues in the community. They're talking about these very, very difficult topics. Um, that's about 20,000 Cayman dollars. Okay. You know, it's not, it's not easy to do what we do. Even getting in front of people every single day, being the face of, of CMR, being the face of this podcast, of this show, this vodcast, whatever we're calling it these days, right? It's not an easy thing to do. You really put yourself out there. And I feel a lot of, um, I, I feel, you know, a lot of concern sometimes for all of our mental health because people don't understand the extent to which you are involved in your stories, how emotional you can get about your stories, how you take on all this oftentimes negative energy. And you have to really balance that. You have to think about your mental health and where your headspace is. And when you have people around you who you can't trust and who are, um, you know, doing things to undermine your business or steal from the business, whatever, I'm sure that does not help your mental health situation any either. 
So I hope that Andre will take the time. If I mean, he does every single evening. Andre goes live. I think um, he does at least two, three hours, the equivalent of what I do. And, um, you know, he has a very different energy level that he brings to the show. And so even that, like, sometimes it's hard to explain to people. Like, sometimes people message me and like, oh, Sandy, you seem a little bit off today. You know, what's going on? You can't always sustain the same energy level every single day. Like, it just really depends, right, on uh, on what's going on. And so when you try to sustain that, that even takes a physical toll, an emotional toll, a psychological toll on you as well. So I feel very, very bad for Andre. I think he's been having some difficult times lately. There was some woman who I think he was friends with or something who had physically attacked him as well. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So Andre, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. I hope that you can maybe take a step back. Like I think there are times when we have to recognize that, you know what, I need a break. I need a vacation. I'm taking one next month. Trust me. I'm going to just clear my head, take some real time off. We're going to uh, do like the best of series. We'll, we'll play some content for you guys to be able to listen to. But, um, you know, you just got to, you got to take care of yourself first and foremost. And this can be a very, very thankless job. Trust and believe. I was talking about this last week. People don't understand that people don't have to, who don't have to do it. They're not the ones fielding the phone calls, the messages, the, you know, everybody needs help and that you're the person that they're coming to. And it's not a matter of the mind not being willing to do it. It's sometimes that you just need to really disengage and to take a break. Now, I don't do anything with social media monetization. I've never made a single dollar off of a YouTube video. I've not signed up for it to be monetized. I don't really care about that because, because I'm in the space of content creation and I study a lot of content creators to learn from them, right? So to learn how to do certain things. The one thing that I've recognized is a lot of them, these are people who have millions of followers and have hundreds of thousands of views. They really get caught up in this world of, oh, if this particular video doesn't get, you know, half a million views, all of a sudden I'm losing money. And, you know, YouTube is going to... Um, treat my, my algorithm separately. And they're going to put me down. Like, it's just a crazy, crazy world. I mean, my husband keeps saying to me, Oh, you need to monetize YouTube. And I told him, listen, I don't want the headache for me. It's not worth it because I see the mental struggle that a lot of YouTubers go through and it just isn't worth it for me. I'm like, Nope, I don't need to monetize. I'm fine. I don't need to monetize YouTube. I have no interest in monetizing Facebook. If people want to watch a particular video, you know, because then it even drives your content in a different direction. Like if you see a video do particularly well, you're like, okay, well, this is the kind of video that I have to constantly do. I'm not into that. Whatever topics we're going to talk about are specific to the people of the Cayman Islands for the most part, want to focus on our issues, you know, resolving your issues, talking about them, whatever. I don't want to worry about, that's an additional worry for me. Oh, how is YouTube ranking me? And how am I doing on YouTube? And what do I need to do? No, 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 no. Let's just leave that to the side. But I know for people who um, are in that world, it causes them a lot of stress. And sometimes you'll see big time YouTubers all of a sudden say they're quitting YouTube, you know, or they just disappear completely for months and months and months. And then they come back and you hear that they had a nervous breakdown or they had, you know, all these sorts of issues. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just an unfortunate, I don't know why Zeus is barking. Does he have to go to the bathroom? 
Um, so it's it's all of it's a very very it's a lot more complicated I think than the average person realizes, and so there's a lot um, to be said for that. And if you're not in that world and you don't realize what it takes, you have no idea. Trust me. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Thank you. I'm yes. a senior citizen, and I've never called a calling program. Oh, wow. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm not bad, thanks, but I had good. to call about this. Mm. Because I heard a lady say that the anniversary for Ivan is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to make sure that about my experience with Ivan was that it started on the 11th mm-hmm. and continued into the 12th. Yes. And I actually wrote a note somewhere and said, look, and I saw that ring going, and I, I think I felt how no, understood how no felt when he sent out the different creatures to see if the water was down. Because the place I was, it was just raining and raining and raining, and it was going up and going up outside, and I just prayed and prayed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I just know that that was my experience with Ivan, that it started yes. on the 11th. Yes. And since I'm here, yes, ma'am. <laughs> if I have another minute, sure. With respect to 9/11 overseas, mm. I have a note on that too. I had two sons overseas studying in the states, but my first thought went to my brother who was living in New York. Mm-hmm. And as it transpired, he was leaving home to go to work in that area, mm-hmm. and something in his devotions that day. Saw her niggling at him, and he turned back into the home, called my sister, who is in another country, and discussed the matter. And of course, my sister, being who she is, she prayed with him. Mm-hmm. And while they were having that encounter, his daughter called from another part of the state to see what was happening with him. Mm. And he wasn't even aware of what was going on. So I thank God mm. that my brother was prepared. I feel really badly about those who lost their lives and their relatives and so on. And I have no theological explanation for that. Mm-hmm. But I thank God and I pray for all those who are still suffering mm-hmm. from that. I saw a note yesterday about responders. Um, no responder left behind. Anyhow, that's another long story and I won't mm-hmm. keep it, but I'm telling you, this is the first time. <laughs> These 72 years I have ever called wow. calling program. Thank I mean, I've you been so on the radio and TV, different shows and so on. Yeah. So I just want to wish you and all the listeners and everybody you. all the best. Appreciate and it. Just to walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you were right. I heard you saying this morning. It's not because you're bad that something bad happens because mm-hmm. bad things happen. To we just have to be humble, walk in yes. faith. And beg for God's protection and do what we can to be instruments to help with change. So now I've said my piece. Thank you. How many ever years? (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) That's amazing. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really had to share that because I even lasted at least two days. (laughs) I agree. And you know what? Don't be shy. You've got our number. So feel free to call anytime. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you too. All right, my dear. Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh. I feel so honored. First time in her life, 72 years? 72 and wow. a half almost. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do take care. All right, what my dear. Thank you okay, very much. Thanks. I appreciate that. We'll do 936-2626. Isn't that amazing? 72 years. First time calling in a talk show. 
and it happens to be our program. Bless you so much. Um, Andrea says that Andre has mental health issues, um, long time. And this is why I think it's even more important for him in particular. Th this stresses everybody, trust me. But I think for him in particular, he's got to be careful because $20,000 might be a lot of money to lose, somebody steal it from you. But believe me, you, it will not be worth it to be back on the streets and lose everything that you've built. People respect you in your community. They respect you in Jamaica. The politicians are listening to what you have to say. You're making a meaningful contribution to your country. And people, it seems to me that people are always waiting for you to fall. <laughs> if you know what I mean, they're always waiting for you to, 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 to trip. Um, and you know what, we're all human beings and we will have these moments of um, despair, but don't allow other people to be the cause of your, um, your downfall. You know what I'm saying? Try to hold it together and um, try to make better decisions in terms of who you work with. So Irvlin says, I totally agree hundred percent. Friendship and business never work out. Uh, Marshall says, when it comes to business, you don't mix it with family or friends. It's a bad recipe for disaster. Garrett says, I agree with Sandy. I don't monetize either. Doing monetization turns your hobby into a job and it becomes a huge headache. And it's a job that you can't control. Um, so unfortunately, you can't control YouTube always changing up their algorithms and stuff, right? Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Morning, sir. I just tuned in. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, did you say the same thing about prospect primaries yet? No, we haven't. Probably in tomorrow's uh, show, we're going to get to prospect primary. All uh, right. Thank you. You're most welcome. All right. So a lot of people waiting for that prospect primary update. We're going to get there. Um, Dean says, I can very much relate. Been there and I got badly bitten. Um, Melita says, that's right, TD. At the end of the day, no money in the world can restore the mental health. So... It's just not worth it. All right, folks. So coming up next, um, we have a, um, let me just see how many minutes this is. I think it's about, oh, it's going to be about, um, uh, let me see, 41, 42 minutes or so. We've got a segment here, uh, interview with Premier Panton about the budget. So as you can see from today's subject headline, the question is, um, is Cayman broke? Question mark. And it is a question. <laughs> Some people sent me like, oh my God, this is your headline. It's a question, hence the question mark, and not a statement. Because people are asking the question. So, um, Lavana, you're going to have to hit that rewind button a little bit later on. So the question, again, is, are we broke? And I've had people messaging me from last week after this email was leaked to um, the press. We didn't get it. I guess this one was one that only the Compass got or I don't know, CNS got it. But it was um, leaked to the press um, about, you know, the, the premier asking, uh, you know, for some fiscal responsibility and some fiscal cutbacks. And unfortunately, people took that to mean that the country is broke. And I don't think that that is... People are jumping to all sorts of conclusions. So, folks, one of the things that I feel is my responsibility on this program is to separate fact from fiction, to ask the questions from the power that be. Is this the situation? Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. I'm always willing to set the record straight. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes other media get it wrong. Sometimes people in the community 
or simply jumping on a situation because, oh, they heard this and their granny told them this and this person who's supposed to be a high rank in civil service said X, Y, Z. You know, you got to make sure that your information is correct and the source of your information is correct. Because I get it. I get that people want to believe any and everything in this day and age. And maybe it's um, a popular position to want to believe that the country's broke once the premier has said, you know what, let's make sure that we um, try to be more fiscally responsible with our expenses. And so we had an opportunity to sit down with the premier. And for the record, we're going to do more of this style of interview where we sit down with him. We say, okay, let us hyper-focus and um, you know, answer these very, very specific questions. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi. Um, calling you actually from Florida. Hi, good morning. And good morning. I, um, <clears throat> I'm involved very much with the Moroccan uh, uh, relief uh, organization. All uh, right. Helping them with the, uh, with the uh, satellite communications for the, um, the police forces, we'll gather the army, etc. Yes. Is it possible? Let me ask you a quick question. Could we potentially have you, because of course I'm thinking how people here in the Cayman Islands can help with these efforts. We're just about to go into a 42 minute interview with the premier, but could I invite you on the program tomorrow to talk a bit more about this, about your efforts, um, assisting the rescue efforts, uh, recovery, and then you know, hopefully finding out how we can help the poor people of Morocco as well. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. That's fine. Yes. I'm uh, working with Craig Merrin. Okay. And he told me to call you. Yes. So, yeah, that's fine. All so, right. Do you want me to give you a number to call me? Or? Um, I see the 954 number. Is that your WhatsApp number? Yes. Okay. So I will save that and I will WhatsApp you and then we'll coordinate something uh, for tomorrow. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you, thank you so you. much. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. So lots of efforts, folks, somebody from Florida, lots of efforts underway to assist the people of, the, of Morocco. And we want to be part of that, um, you know, solution as well. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so we had an opportunity to sit down with Premier Panton and, um, you know, I like this format because it allows him to uninterrupted to answer the people's questions. Um, the, the next one I think that we're going to do is on stamp duties, trying to understand what this government has done. Have they been giving out concessions to big organizations, developers, exactly what their uh, remit has been since they've been in office for the past two years? There's a lot of questions. If you have a particular area um, that, you know, you want us to do an interview segment on, by all means, um, please reach out to me and I'm happy to try to arrange those interviews. Obviously, the premier is very, very busy. That's an understatement. Um, you know, I understand that he was supposed to take a trip last week. The trip, for some reason, got canceled. They're still in the middle of trying to complete the budget. And they were up to last night working into the wee hours of the night, late hours of the night, I should say, um, you know, 10, 11 o'clock every single night trying to get this budget done and trying to have it all come together. It is a humongous process that I suppose none of us could really understand. Listen, most of us can't even manage a budget for our own households, <laughs> if we had to be honest about it. Okay, that's that's a difficult situation. Um, imagine uh, trying to do a billion dollar budget, billion plus dollar budget for this country. It is a job that I do not envy. So sit back, folks. Um, listen to the interview. 
hear what uh, the premier has had to say, some of the questions that we've put to him. It's going to take us very, very close to the end of the program. We've got about 50 minutes left, and this is a 42-minute interview. So do sit back and enjoy it. Thank you so much. Spotlight with Premier Panton is an in-depth focused interview analyzing the issues facing our country. These one-on-one interviews allow the Premier to explain decisions, answer questions, clarify misinformation, and address community concerns. Leaving no stone unturned, Spotlight is proudly brought to you by The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. There's been some sort of questions arising in the community as of late about what's happening with the budget. An email went out. So we're just going to try to clarify as much of this in a quick uh, interview today to hopefully um, address any concerns or general questions that people in the public may have. Now, Premier Panton, can you explain to us, please, uh, about the budget process? I think a lot of people don't really understand how this works. Is this something that you do every single year? or is it every couple years? How does it work? Yeah, so um, I think about 2016, it was changed to become a multi-year budget process. Um, and so as it is right now, the budget is done for two calendar year periods. Mm-hmm. Um, so in we came into office in 2021, right. and we had to we had a short period of time to do um, a budget. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when you can do a temporary budget mm-hmm. um, to to bridge a gap. Um, but we 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 did a temporary. I, 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 don't, I don't think we did a temporary budget. We continued with the the existing budget under the original mm-hmm. um, administration, the last administration, um, and then moved into doing the SPS, which is a strategic policy statement mm-hmm. um, for the next budget right the budget is comprised of um, a couple of steps Um, one is the strategic policy statement Mm -hmm. or the strategic development of the of the budget and basically that requires you to say um, a given indication of what kind of policies Mm -hmm. and what the cost of those policies are approximate cost of those policies are so it's sort of an indication of what the, the the next budget Will look like, mm-hmm. um, and as I said, that's the, the policy part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you then you have um, you have until the the December thirty first um, of every um, the end of every budget per- period to make sure that you have um, the new budget in place for the next two calendar years. Uh, so that's where we're at now. So we are finishing up the 2023, um, which is the second year of um, the uh, of our budget, our first mm-hmm. budget. And then we are um, we have to get that the 2024 and 2025 budget approved, 
um, by Parliament um, through Finance Committee. Um, and that has to be done by December 31st mm -hmm. um, in order for, to have it in place for January 1st going forward. Right. So you start off with the um, strategic policy, right. which is, just give an example, that might be you saying for this government, a priority is going to be um, funding school lunches. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It could, it, 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 that's, that's a good example of something that um, we prioritized. Um, mm -hmm. That was our policy position that we adopted that. Um, and that was reflected in our, our budget ultimately for um, 2022 and 2023. Mm -hmm. um, and that, the cost of that was somewhere in the region of about 16, 16 and a half million. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, obviously when you budget these things, mm -hmm. you're projecting um, potential costs, right. approximate costs. Um, you are trying to make sure that you have enough money there that mm -hmm. you can deliver on the, the policy. Um, it may turn out that mm -hmm. it costs a little bit less than that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it turns out, unfortunately, it may cost a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So you have to make some adjustments. Um, but obviously, if it costs less, that's great. You can deliver what you want to deliver um, to be able to, to help the people of the country, mm -hmm. um, to help families. And let's, you know, let's face it, that has been a considerable help. Mm -hmm. We started with the primary schools, right. and then we moved into the high school. Shortly, I think within within six months, moved into the the, um, the high schools. Mm -hmm. um, so that has helped Caymanian families to the tune of hundreds of dollars every month mm -hmm. um, to to reduce their cost. You know, to having to to give their kids lunch money and pay for pay for lunch otherwise mm -hmm. through programs. So okay. that's a good example. I mean, there there are many others. Right. Um, you know, we we are a people-centered people government. Mm -hmm. right? We have taken an approach of recognizing that, particularly coming out of um, the, the COVID environment um, and the, you know, the post-COVID environment, we know that people are gonna be struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the impact of COVID was very significant mm -hmm. um, across our economy. Um, so we knew people were gonna be struggling yeah. and we needed to be able to support them. So we supported them by continuation of, of um, some of the COVID um, stipend programs. Mm -hmm. um, we did extensions of uh, some of the business support programs. Mm -hmm. um, and then we included, you know, the, the funding for um, the school lunches, mm -hmm. which included breakfast and snacks and lunch and this type of thing. So, you know, we've also done things like um, we've granted, you know, a lot of fee reductions for seniors. Um, we've, uh, I remember when I was minister previously, one of, one of the things one of my constituents wanted was to have uh, fee reductions for um, seniors who have to register vehicles every year and this type right. of thing. And that's what they got delivered, mm -hmm. you know? So we've had several different scenarios of fee reductions for seniors. Um, we've done across the board um, duty reductions for you know, young families, families with children, um, for, for women's products, these types mm -hmm. of things that, that generally help families. Mm -hmm. you know, that's what we've been trying to target, um, trying to deliver in a targeted way to help, help families and help people. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, they, you know, they do cost money, mm -hmm. and it means a dedication of resources, but that's what we, we have been doing um, to reflect the fact that we're focused on make, trying to make the lives of our, mm -hmm. of our people better and 
to try to support them in an environment where we were transitioning out of, um, you know, we we're still in COVID. Remember, we took over. Mm -hmm. We were still um, pretty much isolated, mm -hmm. and we still had all the borders closed. We had to work through how you transition that um, with, you know, with a, a board that was set up in government to provide advice. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we successfully did that. Um, yes, you will recall there were periods when, mm -hmm. and when we first, you know, despite saying, look, this is going to happen, once, once we reopen, we're going to have COVID in the community. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of panic and concern. Um, so we pumped the brakes a little bit mm -hmm. to make sure that we had a few weeks to settle people down so that they, they were able to um, make the mental adjustment. Um, and then we moved on and we've successfully transitioned into an open economy. Um, we, have, we have transitioned into excellent economic performance, you know, strong, growing and stable economy. We've got um, the best, the best um, um, unemployment numbers mm -hmm. that any government has had for decades. Right. Um, you know, the, the challenges we've had, I think everybody recognizes we've had challenges mm -hmm around the supply chain issues that came out of, continued after the COVID. Um, we've also had the issues with the geopolitical mm -hmm. um, disruptions, like you know Russia deciding they were gonna invade their neighbor, um, Ukraine. Right. And that caused all of this um, commodity volatility, particularly around energy, mm. you know, the cost of fuel, um, but also things like the cost of, of food, mm. um, and mm -hmm. it, basically these things have driven up um, inflation around the world in, in mm -hmm. most of the most countries in the world and it certainly happened in the US and you know what what happens in the US because we are a huge importer of products from the US yes it, it impacts us and there's very little we can do about that um, mm -hmm. about controlling those prices that we end up in that inflation we end up importing mm -hmm. um, to prevent it from happening, but you know we have to find ways to mitigate those impacts um, in Cayman. Good thing, of course, is that our um, rate of inflation here is coming down. It's meaning it's still prices are still going up, but mm -hmm. the, but they're going up at a slower and slower pace. Right. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll get to a point where it's it, it flattens out um, um, mostly. Um, I don't think that the reality is unless you have um, more undesirable situations like, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a recession in an mm -hmm. economy, mm -hmm. you, the prices don't tend to go down. Right? Mm -hmm. I think we all know that. But if we can maintain, a, get it down as low as possible, um, mm -hmm. then you are limiting the impacts on, on our people. Okay. And right now we have, it's, it's um, just in excess of 4%. Um, at the last measure, so we had had 11 percent. We'd had nine, nine and a half, nine point six percent last late last year, and now it's down to about uh, 4.6, I think it is thereabouts. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely flattening out. Um, so that's good news. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still, you know, it still poses a challenge. We all understand that, you know, Cayman is not a mm -hmm. cheap place. Mm -hmm. um, Paradise isn't cheap, you know, we, we live in a wonderful place, mm -hmm. but we are, 
here. We don't produce a lot of things. We don't grow a lot of things. Um, I import it all, and we happen to be hundreds of miles away from from our source markets for these products and services. So, so let's let's talk a little bit because you said you're in the middle of the um, 2023 budget process right now. Right. So, how long does that process normally take? Are we talking about you know? week, two weeks, months, like what does it look like in real time? Well, the SPS was delivered in May. Right. Um, and then the, basically, it's usually several months of working through the budget and then, um, you know, you either present the budget in October or November um, and then it gets um, through the, it goes through the, the parliamentary process, mm -hmm. um, which is typically finance committee, well it's presented to parliament um, and then you go into finance committee and, and um, the opposition um, and the public get the chance to see and hear um, discussions around different points on it, um, explore you know, and prod and, and try to understand what the budget looks like mm -hmm. and what can be expected from it. So um, are you at the we have to do that by that? the, well we're, we're not in the parliamentary process yet, obviously no, we're, no, we're in the process of yeah. um, finalizing the details so that we can, so that the team in mm -hmm. the Ministry of Finance are able to put all the budget documentation together. Unfortunately, it's, you know, it ends up being, you know, a whole stack of paper. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things I would love to be able to do is mm -hmm. whittle that down significantly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ideally I would love to be able to have paperless mm -hmm. uh, approaches to, to these types of things, but if I can cut it in half, if I can cut it by two-thirds, that would be amazing as well. Mm -hmm. um, not just for the, you know, the concept of sustainability and all that, but it just makes life easier for everybody. Mm -hmm. For the government, for the opposition, mm -hmm. for the staff that have to work on it. Um, yeah. So you've taken over the role of finance minister after yeah. there was some shifting around um, in your cabinet. And um, that seems like quite a, <laughs> you know, undertaken. Yeah, um, so, how has that transition been for you in terms of the budget process? Because I'm sure your finance ministry, they're ultimately responsible for pulling and putting it Correct. all together. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I have not had responsibility for the budget previously. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in any way, whether I was Premier or whether I was Minister for, for Finance. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's, there is the, for, for me these types of things are short transitions. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I understand enough about it. Um, mm -hmm. And there's no question that I have a very, very supportive team in the Ministry of Finance. Mm -hmm. And we are working through that. Um, I think, you know, we have, the reality is we have um, scenarios where it's not just the people of the country that are that are uh, facing um, difficulties with you know, cost increases and um, the government is facing some of those same difficulties mm -hmm. you know um, the the cost of everything cost of you know, products cost mm -hmm. of services everything has typically gone up mm -hmm. and um, there as, as I said before there are sometimes delays with of supply chain issues and other things there are delays with with getting certain things done so our mm -hmm. challenge is to try to find ways to be as efficient as possible but also um, have the reality that and deal with the reality that um, costs have gone up mm -hmm. 
Um, so one of the things, you know, one of the challenges we're, we have been working through is how can we deliver the same or, or really better um, services um, and, and support for our people in, in the country while um, trying to control our expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so you would have seen, you know, it was um, someone leaked it to the media, mm -hmm. a memo that I sent around um, in August asking ministries um, and agencies to basically um, not spend um, something of, of money if they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, most years there is, you know, there are savings in, in the um, in the budgets, mm -hmm. um, people don't end up spending everything that they think they can spend. Mm -hmm. um, so the reality is, you know, you you encourage people to try to um, find as much efficiencies and save as much as possible. Because I know that the reality is that there there are many many demands out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there are many expectations, and at the end of the day, as a as a responsible government um, who are, have been given the, the privilege and honor of serving the people of this country um, on a strong democratic footing, we have to honor the obligations that we have to be good stewards of the public resources, good stewards of the, the money of the people of this country. And if that means I have to say to, to 21 ministries and agencies, be careful how you spend money. Mm -hmm. Save money where you can. Do not spend money just because it's in the budget. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, I'm going to do that. That's a prudent thing. That's a, you know, it's, it's what I should be doing as, as Minister of Finance. Mm -hmm. um, so the reaction I, that we were getting from people in relation to that correspondence is, oh, my God, the government's broke. You know, people are going to start yeah. losing their jobs. Um, they're going to put in another hiring freeze. Is that the fiscal position of the no, country? No, no. First of all, I've heard a lot of comments about, oh, the, the, you know, they're cutting the budget and all that sort of stuff. And unfortunately, that gets used very loosely. Sometimes right. it gets used by some of us in government very loosely. Um, that is, cutting the budget is something that would really, truly, technically reflect going back and looking at the budget that has been approved by Finance Committee um, and going through a process of withdrawing the authority right. that has been given to spend money. Yes. Um, and that's not what we're, that, that is technically cutting the budget. Right. And that's not what we're talking about. Okay. What we have been talking about is how can we deliver services, how can we deliver initiatives for the mm -hmm. people of the country to, to benefit our people, mm -hmm. to, um, to maintain or improve their quality of life without just spending mm -hmm. and spending and spending. You can throw tons of money at something mm -hmm. and it may not be a smart thing to do. Exactly. And I'm gonna be honest with you and tell you that I've seen too much examples or too mm -hmm. many examples around our region and even amongst many of our, our, um, our sister overseas territories mm -hmm. that reflect um, approaches that are not prudent mm -hmm. and I am not going to be um, the person who is going to put this country's fiscal stability mm -hmm. at risk. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid that, mm -hmm. while at the same time trying to deliver, um, create the right environment um, 
that, yes. that makes the, continues to make the economy strong, continues to create the labor environment that we have that, mm -hmm. is, that is quite strong. But, it, I, you know, listen, are there Caymanians unemployed? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we know even, even though we have the strongest um, uh, unemployment record in, dec in 30 years in Cayman, mm -hmm. um, we know that there are people who still need assistance. Mm -hmm. And our challenge is to find the most efficient and effective ways of doing that without, without wasting too mm -hmm. much resources. Okay. So that's across the board what it's like for us to, mm -hmm. you know, to try to work these things out. And um, sometimes it, right. it takes time. Mm -hmm. you know, it takes time to do that. And um, we have not, um, and it's unfortunate you know, when you're trying to do these things mm -hmm. and you send things around to try to, to be prudent Somebody sends it out, and then they start talking about um, mm -hmm. comments around, oh, the country's broke, and you know, civil servant salaries are going to be cut, and all this stuff. That is not true. Mm -hmm. That is not true. I mean, you'll recall we have been, as we are required by law, been very transparent with mm -hmm. the, the um, financial information of the country and the government. Um, and we have noted previously that um, we have had um, a, a budget surplus mm -hmm. in 22 and we're required by law mm -hmm. to have a have a surplus um, that budget surplus initially was um, based on the initial numbers I think 47 million and then mm -hmm. once the audit was completed and there were it was a, adjustments were done mm -hmm. um, to reflect the final numbers it came out to somewhere around 54 million okay um, I know a lot of people think that's a lot of money. And, and right. it, yes, it is a lot of money. Yep. On an individual basis, it's a lot of money. Of course. But the country is at a point where mm -hmm. we have had, um, we've had record revenue. We've had over a billion dollars in, in revenue um, mm -hmm. in 22 for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have an environment where our population has increased. Mm -hmm. Our the numbers of Caymanians have increased. They, demands of the business environment have increased. We've, uh, we still have issues, impacts relating to what has transpired in the previous um, couple of years. And those require resources to, to continue to try to manage and, and help as much as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so it is easy to see how people will think, oh, you've got lots of money. Just, just spend it. Just do this. Right. Just do that. Because that's the general. When it, whenever yeah. people hear the word surplus, they right. always think that means government is. So let me, let me, yeah, let me put it in context yes. for you. Right. Um, our our budget for 2023 was 900 or is 950 million. That is the agreed budget. Mm -hmm. But every year, um, quite often you get, you get situations which arise where you realize that perhaps in this area or this area mm -hmm. we need additional funding to do the things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. and as I said earlier, sometimes you overestimate, sometimes you underestimate. Mm -hmm. The idea is to try to get it spot on as close as possible or be a little bit over. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes with the best will in the world you just don't get it right. Mm -hmm. So there are sometimes requests for supplementary spending. And in 22, that was that supplementary spending was 98 million mm -hmm. um, over the the budget then, right? Um, which was 920. 
So we spent, we ended up spending about 52% of that. Um, so again, it's a reflection. Mm -hmm. They say, mm -hmm. well, we need the spending, we need the supplementary right. spending. Um, that's, um, there's two ways that can happen, but um, one is, I can say one is a, a process which is approved by cabinet mm -hmm. um, to a limited extent. And there's another way which is, has a far, pretty much unlimited extent, which can be authorized by parliament. And that, that, um, that situation can lead you to, to spend additional money. For, mm -hmm. for, for 2023, our budget was 950, or is 950. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have additional you know, spending requests mm -hmm. um, because of a variety of things. Um, we, therefore, like, as I said, 950. I can we can just round that up to a billion. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So if I have a if I have a surplus of fifty million, mm -hmm. what does that amount to as a percentage of revenue, which is just over a billion, or as a percentage of what I've been spending, mm -hmm. which is just under a billion? We can we can just generally refer mm -hmm. to that as five percent. Right. Right. Um, if I said to you or anybody mm -hmm. who is listening to this. If you got a 5% raise on your salary, mm -hmm. do you think that would mean that you suddenly have the ability to go out there and spend two or three times as much? Mm -mm. Or go and splurge and spend money on all kinds of things? Mm -hmm. The reality is no. Mm -hmm. $50 million is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. but $50 million when you have a country that costs close to $3 million a day to operate is not a lot of money. Mm. And we have built into the, um, the law, the, the Public Management and Finance Act, mm -hmm. we have built in um, provisions which maintain, try to ensure that we maintain prudent and sound fiscal management. Mm -hmm. We all know those provisions generally as the, the um, FFR provisions, the Framework for Fiscal Responsibility, which had been insisted on, I think, in 2011 by the UK government. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have to meet those requirements. Um, and we also have to try to ensure that within that space, we're delivering what we want to deliver for the people of the country. So um, one of the things I think we have to recognize is that you know, the COVID environment um, and the amount of resources that were utilized when governance revenues were you know, significantly slashed, mm -hmm. um, those, those resources need to be replenished in order for us to maintain strong fiscal stability. We have cash. We don't, we don't have a, uh, an issue with cash. We, we did borrow, um, we did utilize the um, facility that had been put in place by the previous government. Um, and we've actually made money on that because it's lower interest um, cost to us. And we're in an environment where the interest, interest rate environment where opportunities to earn additional return on that money has gone up. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're in a situation where it's costing us um, pretty much nothing. We're mm -hmm. earning money on that on that funding, but 
I would be in, I would prefer to be in a position where we have cash reserves that are not borrowed mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, so we are we are still in a very strong position um, mm -hmm. we have strong fiscal management uh, going on um, and I think we just need to recognize that not only are um, surplus is required by law. Mm -hmm. There is nothing wrong with us having a reasonable surplus, which helps to strengthen the the fiscal position of the country. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the stronger we are, um, the stronger the government's fiscal position is. The more you can do to help people without right. creating a situation where you are really draining resources and you end up having to to borrow money. Um, or you know to do things that are, are going to create situations where we lose mm -hmm. um, our fiscal sovereignty, meaning mm -hmm. the UK has to has to um, approve our budget. That's not what we want. Yes, we are proud, independent people, and um, we can do this for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely no reason. So the takeaway then for 2023, there is no cutting of the budget. There's no cutting of the budget. There's no cutting of civil servant salaries. Mm -hmm. There are. There's no cutting of of, um, of of resources. This this concept or this notion that the country is broke is complete. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. It's inaccurate. It's not true. Mm -hmm. You pick whatever um, phrase or adjective you want. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, it's completely uh, inaccurate. Um, so that has to be recognized. Mm -hmm. But as I said earlier, we do have to recognize that we have lots of challenges, we have lots of requests, um, and if we stick our necks out too far, mm -hmm. then we start to get ourselves in, in difficulties. Right. And we need to be able to be responsible, prudent, um, and to be able to continue our track record mm -hmm. of delivering for people um, and maintaining that prudence and, and that, that strong fiscal track record. Okay. Now, there was a specific area of concern that was highlighted to us. I just want to clarify this. So we'd received several messages to say that um, university students who were on government scholarship overseas were looking at potentially not being able to return for Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Their tuition wasn't going to get paid. It was like this sort of, you know, um, dire situation. Have you heard anything about that? Do you know, you know, what's going on there? That no, they run I, out, they I, run I, out of money, basically. I think what? that's, I think there's an exaggeration of some of the same comments you, you yes. have heard earlier, um, which came from, you know, things like my, my note um, mm -hmm. of let's be prudent. Right. Um, people are extrapolated from that and taken what is not an unusual situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of fit that into the narrative they want to say um, negatively in relation to the, the country and the government. Um, we may have issues at times, and it's not uncommon, uh -huh. to have timing issues in terms of um, when the funding is done. Um, but we, it's not that we've cut anything, uh -huh. it's not that we don't have the money to do it. Um, people's, we, we are the government that has significantly increased um, the the budget in respect of and allocations for scholarships for 
um, people who are um, trying to get bachelors, mm -hmm. you know, um, people who are going postgraduate and trying to get uh, masters or PhDs. We have increased the budgets for mm -hmm. those, mm -hmm. um, the allocations for those, and it has helped many Caymanians. Look, we know we don't. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't. It's not rocket science, um, and we also have clear examples all over the world, but also in Cayman, from many of our, even our labor force surveys in Cayman. Mm -hmm. Caymanians who are um, educated mm -hmm. at um, a bachelor's level mm -hmm. or higher make three, four, five, mm -hmm. six, eight, nine, ten times as much, Yes. possibly even more than someone who's just got a high school education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, the the way for us to really improve the, the quality of life and the mm -hmm. outcome for Caymanians is to make sure mm -hmm. that there, there's a better and better rate of, of um, education. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have been trying to do by increasing mm -hmm. our, um, our allocations to scholarships. Mm -hmm. That Absolutely. is going to help them. It's going to help families. It's going to improve um, their ability to, you know, to move up the, the economic ladder, to mm -hmm. be able to educate their children better, to be able to, you know, feel that um, Cayman is, is a place that, that they, can, they can live and they can enjoy life and, mm -hmm. and um, they can be, have their best quality of life and be as successful as possible. That's why we're investing so much in Caymanians to, mm -hmm. you know, to try to change the you know that trajectory um, in a very positive way. Mm. So we're putting we put a lot, lot more money than than has been put in in the past. Um, you know I think we've increased our scholarship levels up to I think it's about thirty thousand and um, for the um, bachelor's levels and and um, I think it's about thirty five thousand now for mm -hmm. postgraduate. So, right. it's Very it's good. it's um it's really helping, and we've we've done a lot more things than that. I mean, mm -hmm. we we've had programs where, you know, we we increase the, the, the amount of money for high for A levels for mm -hmm. high school students. Mm -hmm. um, we we had funding around assisting young people to be able to go travel to go and get their visa, right. um, to be able to go to, to attend university. TVET, I know um, there was some additional. We've yeah, there, there's a, a variety of additional funding around TVET, both mm -hmm. both locally as well as as well as um, um, overseas and you know we'd like that to obviously be we'd like to be in a position where we can continue to expand mm -hmm. that um, particularly around TVET because mm -hmm. you know academics perhaps are not everybody's mm -hmm. cup of tea mm -hmm. um, but you know we all know that um, many of these many of the roles that um, you can work in in terms of technical and vocational training are really important roles and roles in which you can make a, a good living. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up then um, by talking about sort of the broad outcomes that you're hoping for uh, with your, your budget going into 2024 and 2025. Right, so I mean generally it is about us improving the quality of life of Caymanians. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, a, a top level position, improving opportunities, improving the quality of life. Um, we also have to make sure that the Cayman Islands um, continue 
to maintain and improve its, its, um, its position of competitiveness. So we have competitiveness in, in not just tourism, but in financial services as well, um, because that is one of our major areas. We've got a very strong reputation there. Um, you know, we are, we are anticipating um, good results from the, the next FATF plenary. So we'll come off the enhanced review or the gray list. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed and with the help of God, we'll get there. Um, but it's looking very positive in that respect. So I think that happened in, the, in early 21. Um, we, are, we are hopeful that by um, late 23, we'll be off that, that list. Um, but it is, that's a part of it. That's about enhancing our competitiveness, about strengthening our strengthening our, our reputation, um, and, but continuing to meet high international standards. Mm -hmm. um, it's also about future-proofing the country, um, mm -hmm. future-proofing um, our opportunities for people to, to be able to, to benefit in the changing economies, uh, mm -hmm. changing economy that is, is existing uh, locally and around the world. Um, you know, the digital economy is an entirely new area. I know you've got a le you have a lot of expertise yes. in, in, yep. in this area <laughs> because you bring it to bear in your, your particular context yes. um, in media. Yep. And you know the extent to which innovation and, and changes in technology has made such a vast difference. Um, and you also have to utilize services of people with, with um, new expertise in these areas. So it's future-proofing the country. Um, uh, future-proofing op opportunities, future-proofing the people mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that. And, and also, it is, about, it is about things like climate change, it's about sustainability, it's about mm -hmm. making sure that we build in resiliency and strengthen mm -hmm. the ability of the country and our people um, to be able to meet those challenges in the future and to benefit um, and, and to, you know, to be able to continue to have that, that quality of life. Um, we also have a challenge, I think, um, that we're determined to, to, to face and address um, around modernizing government. Um, we do have to find ways to be more efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the deputy governor, uh, Mr. Madison, has for some time been talking about the need to um, improve efficiencies in government. Mm -hmm. And we want to obviously be able to support that and to promote it and to try to make it happen. I think in the in the ordinary and, and normal runnings of government, it is easy to just get tied up in doing the usual things that you do. Mm -hmm. um, you have to stop, take time, step back, and look at the opportunities that we have in order to improve efficiencies, mm -hmm. so that we can not just you know continue to expand the budget exponentially, um, but to do it in the most um, effective and efficient ways to deliver for, for, for people. Even in a context where, you know, we've got a growing, um, or ha have had a significant increase in our population. Mm -hmm. None of which was, I mean, let's face it, none of which was driven by policies of the government. Mm -hmm. We didn't, you know, we didn't say, we're, n we're not the government that said, if a government did, that we want a population of 100,000. Right. We're not seeking um, a specific target. We're not implementing policies to try to pursue that. Mm -hmm. But it has happened in a post-COVID environment. Mm -hmm. um, 
possibly because of the strengths and the way in which we have managed the transition out of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, it has happened and we've got to deal with it. We've got to, to manage that. Um, and of course, ultimately for us, particularly in, a, in the context where we have had this kind of population growth and most of that population is not Caymanian. Most of it is transient workers, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have to recognize that those, that scenario and that reality brings challenges to protecting mm -hmm. and preserving Caymanian culture, Caymanian mm -hmm. heritage, and um, our, our own Caymanian identity. Mm -hmm. That's really important to us mm -hmm. as a government, it should be important to all of us as Caymanians. Yes. I can tell you it's, it's, it's central to my core. Mm -hmm. It's central to my being. It's, it's you know, it's, it's what, I, what I feel in every fiber and mm -hmm. fundamentally. And we have to make sure that we protect and promote our Caymanian identity, our Caymanian culture, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, our heritage, our built heritage, our traditions, um, all these things are really important. So, you know, we have a specific ministry dealing with youth and culture and heritage. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we want to continue to build on as well. Because that's, who, that's what makes us Caymanians. That's Absolutely. what makes Cayman Cayman. You know, this concept of Cayman kind, it wouldn't be Cayman kind without our culture, without our identity, mm -hmm. without our heritage. Mm -hmm. So, nice. those are things that are really important. Yes, well, thank you very very much yeah um, those, those actually, are the, those are five core things yes. that I want people to remember yes. um, you know improving quality of life enhancing competitiveness while maintaining or achieving um, international standards mm -hmm. future proofing um, modernizing government mm -hmm. and also very importantly protecting and preserving and promoting our culture our heritage our identity all right, well, Premier Panton, thank you very, very much. We know how incredibly busy you are, and you've spent some time with us today um, just educating you know, our viewers here on, on our program, and we appreciate uh, the opportunity to be able to just sit down with you and go over a few things. So thank, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to do that. All right, great, fantastic. Okay, folks. So thank you very much uh, for staying tuned. Those of you who are still listening to that segment, uh, that was an interview with Premier Panton. Again, <clears throat> the objective uh, really is to um, learn a little bit more about the budget process and ask some questions that you, the people, had in the communities. I saw some of your comments. Johan says, members of the civil service that do not support this current government are responsible for the leaks and the false narrative being, push being pushed in the public domain, which is then etched by the echoed, sorry, by the opposition. Here's the thing, um, Johan, you know, if we have to be honest, I think that that's always the case. There will always be civil servants who don't support a particular um, political grouping or government that's in there for whatever reason. Uh, some people might argue that the progressives had, because they were in for, what, 12, 15 years, that they had a bit more, um, you know, support within the civil service. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know where the civil servants stand uh, politically. Um, there's no polling of them that would even give us a clue 
Um, you know, but one could easily argue that this is something that is a constant and ongoing situation. During the last government, there were leaks. Uh, there were people leaving stuff on the proverbial, you know, um, windshield of somebody's car. And so that's just par for the course. Um, I think that governments waste a lot of time trying to find these leaks. Johan goes on to say, what is the deputy governor going to do to address the reality of leaks and misinformation, damaging gossip um, and rumors by senior staff that given their fondness for investigations and leaks, et cetera. Well, again, you, you yourself have given the answer within the question when you talk about the fact that they have a fondness for investigating it. I don't think that they have ever successfully investigated the source of a leak. They investigate it, they waste resources and time, and maybe you just have to accept that leaks are inevitable. Um, this you know, memo that the premier sent out, in my mind, was not a um, high-level secret you know, memo. It went to like all department heads, all, um, I'm guessing, probably chief officers. It was widely circulated. So I don't even know if those individuals saw it as something that could have been considered, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not secretive, but confidential. I don't think it was a confidential correspondence in any way, shape, or form. The truth of the matter is you say something to one person outside of yourself, you can expect, especially in a place like the Cayman Islands, for it to go viral and for everyone to uh, know exactly what was said. So my position is if you say it to one person, make sure that it's something that you don't mind um, sharing with the rest of the world <laughs> and for everybody to just know, because, you know, nothing is secretive in this community, especially, and definitely not in the civil service. I mean, people talk. We have sometimes been on the receiving end of some of that information. The compass, I think in this instance was on the receiving end. Like I said, I don't know if Wendy got this one or not, um, but it kind of goes through the gamut, I guess, depending on who who is actually sharing the information. But I'm sure that that was shared within the civil service. Department heads then sent it to other managers to say, hey, where can we, you know, pull in our belts a little bit? If we don't have to, you know, do projects right now, can we hold off? Can we not spend money? Um, you know, I was speaking to someone over at the National Roads Authority about the paving of a road in our residential area. And they said it was on the agenda for this year, but unfortunately we've run out of money. So, it's something that will be, um, you know, that we'll we'll deal with next next uh, fiscal year, and so this is how it works. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's anything um, particularly earth shattering about this. It wasn't like a confidential document, like someone's personal business where they were like written up or reprimanded, and all of a sudden that's in the public domain. Mm, we should probably see some of those. That would be interesting. Um, but in any event, you know, I think it is what it is. When you get into the world of politics, I don't suppose that you um, ex you go in there with an expectation that anything you say or do is going to be confidential. Nothing at all. Even when you're hanging out at the bar, whatever you say or do becomes part of the public um, landscape and it becomes, you know, what people will talk about in the community. So live says, the premier looks like he has lost some weight, working hard. <laughs> uh, Ms. Moya says, yes, government systems need to be updated and better use of the technological advances needs to be integrated in that workforce. It's too antiquated. A lot of the administration time could be cut and used to make services more efficient. I think what was so interesting is that during COVID, 
um, we were able to, um, you know, successfully see people. My apologies for Zeus. He's in the room playing with his toy. We were able to see people work remotely and use technology to some extent to be either as efficient or, um, you know, maybe even a bit more efficient. Now everyone's gone back to going in, in the office, clogging up the roadways and all this sort of stuff. I mean, I would like to see government be the leader in remote working uh, because it still very much remains a thing. And people are just as efficient. They can work remotely. They can, you know, people who work in the registrar, they were sitting there incorporating companies and doing all that paperwork the exact same way, you know, virtually stamping those documents, getting stuff done. Um, so I would love for when he talked about the different, um, you know, elements of, of um, the five sort of goals, if you will, that the, um, that the government is, is seeking out of their SPF, SPS, strategic, um, SPS, yes, strategic policy statement, you know, quality of life. I just saw this morning, somebody again, complaining about the traffic from the Eastern districts and how that impacts our quality of life. How many civil servants come from the Eastern districts that probably don't even need to, that they could in fact be, um, you know, <laughs> at home getting their work done. That's the level of innovation and modernizing of government that I would love to hear a bit more about. Uh, Denver says, I think this is the longest Cayman has ever been on the gray list. Um, well, first of all, we've been on red, red list. Is that what it's called? Uh, blacklist. We've been on a blacklist before. I don't think that's a true statement, Denver. I'd have to verify that in terms of the exact time frame. But you do not get on a, a blacklist, a gray list, or any list um, and have those concerns immediately rectified to the point where you can actually um, where you can actually come off of it. So I know that one of the constant remits of the current um, Ministry of Finance, um, there's Ministry of Finance and Financial Minister of Finance and Financial Services. So financial services. Mr. Andre Ebanks, one of the reasons he's been traveling a lot and doing a lot of what he's been doing is just try to get us off of that great list. And so um, it's anticipated that we've made some significant strides and that that will happen. Now, remember Denver, this is, uh, we're going to be ending here shortly, folks. So about 30 seconds left. But remember, folks, one of the things why I was so critical of the last minister of, fin of financial services is that it's like she had one job. That was Madam... Um, Rivers, she had one job to keep us keep us off of that list to begin with, because it's it's exponentially more difficult to get off of a list once you're on it, as opposed to getting on it in the first place. And unfortunately, she was not successful in keeping us off of that list, her or the previous administration. So I don't know if the question is there, Denver, because we're looking to place blame, but you place blame on what got us on the list in the first place. To be fair to this country as well. This is a constant goalpost that people really, really have to ask themselves, are we ever going to be able to stay off of gray list, black list, this list, that list for a very long time? Because the, the G7 nations who are pushing their own agenda and ensuring that we always stay underneath their thumbs will always find a reason to keep us on the list, no matter what we do, right? So we have the most comprehensive, and let me say to our radio listeners, we're signing off now. But join, in, join us on social media as we wrap up. But we always have 
the most comprehensive processes in place with incorporation of companies and all this other stuff. And we still end up gray listed. We still end up blacklisted. So, you know, we can blame governments, I think, up to a certain point. And we also have to understand the reality of it is that they will always seek to undermine our financial um, services industry because, you know, we've made it too, too high up the totem pole. We were never expected to do as well or better than a lot of the big boys. And the United States of America, when it comes to money laundering and all this stuff, they should have themselves at the top of their blacklist. <laughs> Let's be very, very honest about that sad indictment as well. So we're at an automatic disadvantage. Some of it, maybe we can take some blame for. And some of it really is just because of who we are. We're, we're like the bastard stepchild that no matter what you do, they're never going to say that you're good enough. So there's that to consider. Um, Johan said, obviously they did. And the stories that came out of it were filled with inaccuracies, assumptions, and malicious intent to cause a sense of panic. Well, you know, th this is a thing, Johan, why we're going to be doing these spotlight series a bit more is because you can get a document and you can look at that document and draw your own conclusions. The conclusions that you draw may or may not be accurate. They're like having an opinion, having an a-hole. Everybody has one, okay? It does not mean that your conclusions are accurate. And so for the world of me, I think it was the Compass who ran with this story. I do have to wonder why the Compass, who um, boasts the fact that they are, you know, uh, journalists, they're proper journalists, they say blah, blah, blah. Why wouldn't they have reached out to the premier, just as we did, to actually ask him these questions directly? Is the country broke? What is this um, email that you sent out to the civil servants? What does it mean? Why was it sent out? They could have asked him those exact same questions. So I want to stress for clarity is I don't read the compass, really. And so I'm not sure uh, what's in their article. But based on what you have said, I'm assuming the presumption that they made was not based on facts. So it sounds like there's been a lot of fear mongering and that sort of thing. Um, and the only way that that happens is if they didn't ask the questions, you know, I haven't even seen this email in question, but from what it sounds like, again, there was nothing in the email that should have led one to conclude that the country's broke. It was just saying, Hey, if you don't have to spend on projects right now, try to save some money. Caymanians and a lot of people around the world feel like if they have money, they must spend money regardless of what the situation is. If they have a surplus, they must spend a surplus. And I see people doing this sort of thing all the time. In fact, they'll be like, oh, well, the government claims that they have a surplus right now of millions of dollars, so why don't they spend it on this? And it's like, I think that one of the takeaways from his interview is that's not the point of a surplus. It, the surplus is not there for you to say, uh, oh yeah, we've got it, let's just go ahead and spend it because we never want to have a surplus, right? We're sitting on tons of money as he said, $50, $55 million is a lot of money to me and you. Believe me, we'd be sitting pretty. But that's not a, a lot of money when you're talking about the runnings of a government who has a billion-dollar um, expenditure 
right? And they're making a billion dollars, a little bit over a billion dollars in, in revenue, but they're also spending a billion dollars. Not a whole lot of money in the large scheme of things. And so I think there's a lot of lessons and takeaways from that as well. For us to understand, just because the, the government says, oh, we have a surplus, we have $55 million, y'all are running around trying to find ways um, for the government to spend it. Oh, well, they, they said they got extra money, so why don't they give us free uniforms? Why don't they give us free this, free that? And da, 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 da. Why do we have to pay for anything? You see, it's that kind of mentality that is, in my mind, going to be destructive to this country. And that's why we need to have um, conversations with each other, with our elected officials, with the technocrats who should have the technical knowledge required in order to explain these things as well. It's difficult to get a technocrat on this show, so we have to end up going to the political arm to try to get them to explain it to us. I guess that's part of their job. But, you know, this is the process, folks, and this is how um, it works. And as I say, knowledge is power, but you've got to make sure that you've got the right information and you're getting it from reliable sources. Now, the premier, he's now in charge of, he's not the finance minister after that was taken from Chris, right? He doesn't have um, a CPA or accounting background or whatever, but the truth be told, he doesn't have to have that because it's the financial secretary and others in government who are really responsible for, in large part, trying to put all of these budget documents and stuff like that together and making sure that the budget is balanced and, you know, they've got financials and audited financials and so forth that are being supplied. Mm -hmm. I think that's my cue. <laughs> Zeus is like, all right, time to end this show, honey chair. Oh my gosh. Hello, Zeus. Did you want to say hi to everybody? Come. Come on now. Come here. Tell them how good you did at swimming yesterday. Oi. Hello, Zushi Pushy. Hello, cutie pie. Let's say hi to everyone. All right, there you go. Look at this. Oh, he smells so sweet. He had such a nice little bath yesterday. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Don't be trying to lick my microphone. You smell so sweet. Say hi, everybody. I'm going to soon have my little doggy talk show. What do y'all think about that? Um, say I was a swimming dog yesterday. I knew how to swim and I had such a good time. Right? Oh my gosh, he's so cute. Oh, my tweetums. All right. Well, folks, we're going to be signing off now. Zeus, tell everybody bye. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye, K-Man. Bye-bye. Wave with your little swimming paws. Toodaloo. <laughs> so, folks, we've got a lot of, uh, uh-oh, let me not get you caught up in the, the headset cord there. So, yes, the truth of the matter is we've got a lot of, um, he's demanding, isn't he? We've got a lot of uh, issues, you know, facing this country that we will continue to um, talk about. And so, you know, this is but one. The next topic that we hope to address, what happened? The next topic that we hope to address is um, around that of, um, of concessions and understanding how that process worked. Okay. Um, Johan says, why didn't your team do it then? They had eight years from 2013 to 2021. Do what um, exactly? I don't know. Oh, this, can anyone please ask the Auditor General's report on the value for money investigation into the deal negotiated by the previous PPM government regarding the Regen project. 
Can someone please leak that? Didn't the auditor, I thought the auditor general released it. Didn't they release it? Um, normally auditor general reports are not secret for long. They are presented, I guess, to the government. There's a process that they go through and then they will eventually be in the public. Um, remit. That's the whole point of those. Um, okay, folks. Yasmin, Ms. Moya, everybody else have a good day. We'll touch bases again. Uh, with someone on the whole Morocco situation, we'll reach out to the Cayman's Red Cross and see if they are actually putting any, um, you know, efforts together to assist the people of Morocco. And we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that front as well. So until tomorrow's program, have yourselves a blessed day. Um, work hard, be good, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Yes, honey chill. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 